Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Good Friday morning. Everyone, welcome to Character and Spalman on 101 ESPN. That song plays and Michelle does a little, the, the, the shoulders start shaking a little bit. It's so bad it's good, Randy. It is so awful. It makes my ears bleed, but also it's kind of a bop. I can't help it. I don't know if we're punishing our great audience on Friday by playing that, but it's going to get stuck in your head, that's for sure. It only happens for 10 seconds and then you can forget it, we hope. You're not, I don't know, because it's still in my head. <laughs> so I don't know if other people are going to forget it. I started our Instagram post this morning by saying it's Friday, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's our thing now. Yeah, it is. It's kind of a thing. Uh, how about your St. Louis Blues, Michelle? A 3-1 win last night in San Jose. They have five, 105 points on the season. They have a 14-game point streak, which is a franchise record. And they showed again that they can beat a bottom 10 team. That's four games in a row against bottom 10 teams that they've won. Which is crazy that that's what you're concerned about down Mm -hmm. the stretch is that the Blues, who are clearly a playoff team and we hope a Stanley Cup contender, the concern you have is them playing down to their opposition. But we've seen it several times this season. So good that they were able to keep their foot on the gas and maintain that intensity as we get down the stretch here. Last night, the Sharks score first, but before the first period was out, there was Dakota Joshua, of all people, for the Blues. Shields the puck away from Gregor, goes to Walker to Brown, centers, Joshua, he scores! Dakota Joshua ties the game, 5-18 into the first period on a no-look pass from behind the net from Logan Brown. 1-1 the score, the Blues have tied it up. That was a lot of fun, but not as much fun as the Blues' next goal. Rudovich-Navich comes to Thomas, drags, shoots, score! Robert Thomas over the shoulder glove side on Reimer. It's a power play goal. 31 seconds into the second period, and Robert Thomas with a goal and a point streak of 15 games, tying Pierre Turgeon, who had it in the 99-2000 season. Is anyone in hockey hotter than Robert Thomas right now? He is playing out of his mind. He has been fantastic. And the fact that he's a 20-goal scorer, I didn't think that we would see that this soon. I figured at some point that he would start shooting enough to become a 20-goal scorer. But if you would have told me when he was coming out of his injury in December that he would get to 20 goals, I would have said no way. He had like eight shots through the Blues' first five games of the season. He never shot. Now he's a 20-goal scorer. And the fact that he's lethal scoring makes him a better passer, too. Because the opposition now... 
has to pick their poison. Do you defend Thomas or do you defend, Ter- defend Tarasenko or Buchnevich? It's an absolute nightmare of a mismatch for a lot of teams. And as we were heading into this season for the Blues, when we had our storylines that we talked about or what needs to happen in order for the Blues to be a true contender, one of the things that we kept talking about is Robert Thomas has got to take that next step. Mm-hmm. He has got to evolve into the player that we expect him to be. We've seen it at times, but we need to see it consistently. And he has answered the bell. <laughs> Pavel Buchnevich had an empty netter. 3-1 as the Blues brought this one home. Time winds down. You can bring out the Zamboni. Three to one, the final. And the Blues have set a new franchise record with points in 14 straight games. They've got 105 points. That ties them with the seventh most points in franchise history. And Pavel Butchnevich with a goal and an assist. Now just one goal shy of 30 goals on the season. What a game here tonight in San Jose. The St. Louis Blues. Get the 3-1 to victory over the San Jose Sharks to open up the four-game road trip. And the Blues will head to Arizona. They're already in Arizona. They'll play the Coyotes tomorrow night and then Anaheim on Sunday. And, Michelle, if the Blues win those two games, as they should, only two Blues additions will have more points than this one. The President's Trophy winning team that had 114 points in 99-2000 and the 2013-2014 team that had 111 points. Otherwise, this team will be right there with the greatest in Blues history. We talked about it yesterday with John Kelly. Jeremy Rutherford wrote about it at The Athletic about how this is perhaps the greatest Blues offense of all time. Mm -hmm. This is a historically good Blues team. And a couple things from this game, Randy, that I want to touch on. I, I also don't want to kind of gloss over Dakota Joshua and Logan Brown with the unbelievable setup for him. Randy, no. I wasn't going low bro here. But I just think when you're getting production too from guys like that from your fourth line, that's another thing that the the 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues had is production from every line. And Mm -hmm. when you get guys like that opportunities last night and they're also answering the call, that's a good sign too heading into the playoffs. And we remember how they would mix and match guys like Sammy Blay and Mm -hmm. Sanford. They still have Toropchenko and Bozak coming back. Good point. So there's going to be forward depth for this team. Yeah, great point. I also, Randy, Jordan Bennington, another strong four outing for Benner. Four in a row, 20 saves. Now, I'm just throwing this out there as a conversation point. If Jordan Bennington is, in fact, back... Matt is stirring an invisible pot here. If we feel great about 50, if we think Benner is back, do you consider starting him in game one of the playoffs? Here's a guy who got hot in the playoffs and propelled the Blues to a Stanley Cup championship. He knows what it's like. He's he's hot. He's getting hot right now. Do you do it? Do you consider it? Okay, so if you're a coach, you say to yourself, well, I know that guy can win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And if you're a general manager, you say, I've got that guy for five more years at $6 million a year. So, yes, you have to consider it. That's what I'm thinking as I'm watching the game last night. I'm like, did this guy just come back into the conversation to start game one? I think he's got to be considered at least, maybe not game one, but at least as in their mind. And I think part of it depends on where they're playing because they are going to play Minnesota, and we'll get to that in a moment. But... Huso's been great at home. He has not been stellar on the road, especially lately. We know what Binner's done on the road when the pressure's been its highest. Yes, that's right. And a lot of stuff that he was dealing with this year was confidence-based. 
Talk about a confidence boost. You have played your way back into this conversation. We're going to give you the nod here in the playoffs because we know that when it comes down to it, no one is more of a flatliner or no mm-hmm. one is is more calm in a highly pressurized situation than you. I would just show him the highlights of himself in the playoffs in yeah. 2019 and say, we believe in you. We trust you. That's all you need to do. And the Blues will play Minnesota in the first round. Craig Berube's team was already in the playoffs as a division team. And with Minnesota's win over Vancouver last night, they can finish no worse than third. So it will be the Wild against Barubi's Blues in the first round. Well, it's a tough opponent for sure. Uh, they've been playing really good hockey all year. They play with a lot of fire and spirit. Um, you know, they um, got some real good players over there with, you know, Kaprasov and Fiala and guys like that. Um, solid team. You know, it'll be a it'll be a tough series. Um, you know, we're looking forward to it. And clearly the Blues are, you can just tell the way they're playing. They want home ice in that first round. Yeah, they do. Um, Tough opponent, Mm -hmm. but an opponent where the Blues have had their number all season. And they have to face Robert Thomas, the red-hot Robert Thomas, 15 straight games with a point. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's hard not to think about it, but um, at the end of the day, we're on a... We had a good team point streak going too, so uh, you know that's nice. That's more important, and uh, you know we're trying to get that home ice advantage at home. So uh, every point matters so much, and, and we know it's going to be a dogfight right to the end. Get it to 17. Get that streak to 17 by the time you come home. I think they can do it. I think they're going to do it. Meanwhile, the Cardinals lost last night in Miami. Five nothing was the final, but there was a highlight of sorts. Jordan Hicks made his first major league start, Michelle, and went three strong innings. He allowed one run through 46 pitches. How do you feel? Yeah, I felt strong. I felt uh, like I could go more, and I came in and did my conditioning to build off that, to treat it like I actually pitched five, six innings. So, I'm intrigued to see about what happens with him as he goes along and they try to build him up as a starter. He threw 14 pitches that were at least 100 miles. Pretty good. At least 100 miles an hour. Yeah. 14 of them. He throws absolute gas. I'm intrigued as well. And tonight, the Cardinals will see another guy that throws 100 miles an hour, Hunter Green in Cincinnati. He'll be opposed by Steven Matz. Don't look for this one on TV unless you have Apple+. Plus. Apple+, Plus exclusive game, and so no Bally, no YouTube. You can listen on the radio, but unless you have Apple+, Plus or I believe MLB.tv, you can't watch this one. I have it, so I'll be watching, but that okay. is a bummer for a Why lot of people. Why don't you just live tweet it for all of us? I will not do that. There, I, I don't like when people live tweet games. Some, If you're a beat, a beat reporter, mm-hmm. that's part of your gig, right? But I just, you don't need me to live tweet the game. You could, you could follow along on ESPN.com. Okay. Are you going to live tweet it for everyone because you're better than I am? No, I'm not. I don't have Apple TV+. Oh, you don't? Plus. I thought you no. did. I'm sorry. I thought you no. had it. I just assume you have every I'm subscription. Gonna, I'm going to be listening to Klaibs. I'm going to be listening to Klaibs on the radio. Well, Actually, that's I do a have, good option, too. Uh, hey, that's, yeah, it, it, no, I'm going to so, listen to Klaibs on the radio. Yeah, yeah. The tone needs yeah. to change. I get to well, listen to Klaibs on the radio. But I don't get to see the game. Here's the thing, Michelle, and i got to figure this out. So before the season, I'm a T-Mobile guy, and T-Mobile, partner of Major League Baseball, <laughs> gave away free subscriptions to MLB.tv. So I have it, but I haven't used it. Oh. So... Apparently, according to Dan Caesar's column this morning in stltoday.com, I can actually watch the game on MLB.tv. I just have to get it set up so I can. Well, it seems like a great day to do that, Randy. Friday afternoon, it's going to be rainy. Do it. Get it done. Back to Jordan Hicks. 
he might get a chance to be built up pretty well. Last night before the game, Jack Flaherty talked to Jimmy the Cat Hayes on the Bally pregame show and was asked about what he can do at this point in his recovery, which is about a month in. I mean, we're working day in, day out. It's just a process right now of uh, getting the arm in shape. So, um, you know, it's just been nice to, to get back into throwing after a little bit of time off and, uh, you know, making sure everything's feeling good and things just continue to progress forward. So it's just a, it's a day-to-day thing. So what can he do? Basically, that cut told me nothing. It's a day-to-day thing. It is a day-to-day thing. But he also said a lot without saying anything. He's not going to really reveal everything that he's feeling or the process that he's undergoing. So I feel like you you can't really decipher <clears throat> excuse me a ton from that. He's not coming back by mid-May. Randy, on the board here, I have your Jack Flaherty prediction. 24 start, 16 and 4, 2.73 ERA. Uh, are we leaving that up on the board? We'll leave it up because I need to own it. But at the same time, I'm thinking now maybe mid-June, hopefully. I don't know if we're going to see the guy. I'm, it's day-to-day. Yeah, but then again, tomorrow will bring. Maybe tomorrow's the day. Day-to-day. It's Friday. I'm feeling good. Good. I'm going like to be that. optimistic, even though I, I share your sentiment. Yeah, it's kind of kind of frustrating. I guess Alex Reyes is day-to-day, too, and has been for five years. Are we all day-to-day, Randy? Yeah, we are. Uh, Last night in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors moved Stan Kroenke's Denver Nuggets to the edge of elimination, Michelle. A 118-113 victory. Go Warriors. Go Warriors. Big time. They look lethal. They're kind of scary. That Jordan Poole can play. Mm -hmm. And... Also last night, if you uh, you really didn't have to watch the second half because Minnesota got ahead by 26. I don't know what the final score was, but Minnesota, oh. they, they, they took care of Memphis last night. Uh, uh, Matthew, you're a big NBA guy. What was the, the final score of Minnesota? I, all, I, I turned it off when they were up by 26, and I said, oh. well, this game's over. Haven't um, you learned, Randy, to, to not do that by now? No. Game 6, 2011, haven't you oh, learned yeah. that sometimes you could be down to your last rack twice and magic can still happen? That's one way to put it. They uh, they they won by nine. The not, not the Timberwolves, by the way. The Grizzlies. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Two, 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 two different 25 point <laughs> deficits for the Grizzlies, and they came back. Randy, how does a team like the Timberwolves, young and experienced, come back from that? They don't. And Charles Barkley, after the game, called them the stupidest team he'd ever seen. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that, that's the best show on TV. Yeah, it is. He says you you can't win in the playoffs when you're this stupid, <laughs> and so. If you aren't aware of what happened, it was a 26-point lead for Minnesota in the first half. Memphis gets it back down to 7. Minnesota builds the lead back up to 25 again. It's a 21-point lead in the last minute of the third quarter when Memphis goes on a 21-0 run to tie the game. Memphis outscores Minnesota 37-12 in the fourth quarter and wins the game 104-95. Outrageous. Crazy. And so now Memphis leads that series two games to one, but that series, like you said, Matthew, it's over. And Dallas beat Minnesota, uh, beat Utah 126-118. Dallas leads that series two games to one. And after a game like that, I'm sure a lot of the Jazz fans went home and cried on their wives' shoulders. Wives multiple? Yeah. Do they do that anymore? I think it's a thing. Sister it, wives? Yeah. Maybe. I think I think in Utah it's still something. It's a thing. It's, I'll stand by. I'm, research is on it. Okay. 
And for uh, the Warriors, by the way, Jordan Poole, 27 points, three rebounds, three assists. So they have a threat in Clay Thompson. They have a threat in Steph Curry. They have a threat in Draymond Green. And they, now they have a threat in Jordan Poole. They are, you used a good word, Michelle, lethal. I love the I love the Warriors. I always have. I always will. And, and to see Draymond Green and Curry running the way they, they are, now you have Thompson and Poole at the same time. But I'm also sitting here like Vito Corleone after Sonny. Like they, Matt, what, are the, what are they doing to my boy? Because Jokic is just Jokic oh. is putting up huge numbers, yep. and it doesn't matter. He's going up against a brick wall yeah. in, in a revitalized, healthy warrior squad. Yeah. And we should note that Golden State has turned Andrew Wiggins into a really good player, too. He was not a good player, not a great player with Minnesota. Gets to Golden State, and he's good. Okay, what do we have on monog- monogamy versus polygamy? So according to UtahCriminalLaw.net, polygamy is the practice of having more than one spouse at the same time. The practice is illegal across the United States, Utah included. It's illegal in Utah. Yet, according to UtahCriminalLaw.net, tens of thousands are still living in such communities and continue to fight their rights to, to do so. So there are people illegally practicing polygamy fight in Utah. for your right to have five wives. You know, I'm, one of, really I'm one of these, as long as you're not hurting anybody, do what you want to do yeah, type I'm, people. I'm with you. But who has the time? Who has the time to have five and the, spouses? And the energy. Gentlemen, you are going to be 59 years old one year. One year? At some point yeah. in your life, you're going to be 59. You hope and, so. And you are going to have the energy for that. There's ways to circumvent that. There's helpers. Oh, that's true. But I mean, I, I think they have five wives for different reasons. I don't know. But it does seem like it would be nice because you could break down the chores. All right, hey, you do the cooking, I'll do the cleaning. But not if you're one of the wives. Oh, like your wives split it up? Yeah. But man, can you imagine if they get together and talk about the guy? What do you think they're doing? Of course they're getting together to talk about the guy. It's true. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Peak and Pit on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit? Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Carriker and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. The text line 65780 brought to you by Air Comfort Services, Michelle, Matthew, and Randy. It's time for Peak or Pit. We do this every Friday here on 101 ESPN. What was your peak of the week? What was the pit of the week? And Michelle, peak easy for me, getting out to Fox Run yesterday and seeing my friends Dennis Biedenstein and uh, Clayton McGowan and Lyle Shatt, the whole group out there. They're fantastic. And so I got to play a quick nine yesterday at Fox Run. That was fun. Uh, The pit was that it took until yesterday to be able to get out there because of the weather and schedules and stuff like that. But at least you got to get out there. I got, at least you got so a the, peak. there is a peak. There is a peak. The preference would have been a real peak would have been four days prior to this day, but one day is a peak. And that allows you to have a pit too. I think that the weather is supposed to really take a turn for the better. I'm looking it up. Stand by. Stand yeah, did, by. Hey, heck, it did this morning. I mean, it's, it's not it's not sunny, but I mean. Today, it's going to be 85 tomorrow, Randy. It's going to be 73, but rainy on Sunday. We're looking at temps. The lowest temperature from now until next Sunday is going to be 62 degrees and sunny. You're going to be golfing a lot next week. I like to hear that. that. happens next Sunday. 
Sorry, I'm par- I'm, I, was, I, was like, I was like, I was like, is that the, is the end of the forecast, or does something happen next Sunday that I'm going to be really angry about? But it's the end of the forecast on the on the Apple app I'm seeing, so never mind. Yes, you got me really worried that it was going to be like 34 degrees next no, Sunday. No, okay, no, 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 no. Okay, we're all good. So my peak is your St. Louis Blues. They are so fun to watch. They're so hot, so hot right now. And as we get closer to the playoffs, I'm getting more and more excited about this team. And my pit guys is that with the Cardinals. And the Blues, I don't really have a lot of time to watch the NBA playoffs, which is a real bummer for me because I would like to watch every single NBA playoff game. Yeah, they're really great this year, too. They're very compelling. There's a lot of star power, a lot of great games, a lot of interesting comebacks, uh, a lot of drama. Mm -hmm. I'm really bummed that I don't really have the bandwidth to watch as many NBA games as I'd like to. And the way things are going with Devin Booker hurt, New Orleans could beat Phoenix, uh, Boston and Brooklyn should have been... A great series, probably won't be now, but there are a lot of teams that can win. I mean, you look at Golden State, they could have gotten a challenge from, from the Nuggets. I guess they aren't going to. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of really good teams. Of All 16 teams in the playoffs are really good, and we're going to see something new and exciting because if you haven't seen Memphis yet, watch Memphis. They're new and exciting and fun and fresh, and it's very cool to see them play. Do you think Jason Tatum gets it done this year? Yes. I do, too. I got caught watching like the second quarter of Warriors Nuggets, and I realized, I'm like, oh, I was supposed to flip back to the Blues game. <laughs> it was like, I, I meant it was like a, it was a Blues game commercial. I'm like, I'll go back to it, and I got caught up watching. It was bad. All right. Uh, what do we got on the text line, Matthew? Or do you have a peak or a pit? Matthew's the- headed out of town this weekend. Nice. Yeah, that's my that's my peak. I got to go to Chicago. So, so that's, fun. That's, that's, that's my peak. Uh, I, I got no pits. Cardinals, are, Cardinals are, are winning the majority of their games. Blues are running. I got no, I got no pits to talk about. Good. 314 peak. I passed the three test to get into the Boeing training program. Program. All right, Pitt, I'm about to have no life for the next eight and a half weeks. Yeah. Eight and a half weeks. But you know what? It leads to something great, right? It's a means to an end, and it's a worthwhile means to an end for eight and a half weeks. Two months and change, it'll fly by. Kind of like doing 75 hard. Yeah. There you go. Six Are week. you suggesting that you want to do that again? No, I'm suggesting that he could combine the eight and a half weeks of Boeing training and 75 hard. I don't know if he'd have enough time, though, because you've got to work out twice a day. And yeah. if you have, you are doing training all day, how Probably. are you going to get that yeah, done? Yeah, I think it's the other way around. I think he deserves pizza and, 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 and beer the majority of the nights when he's yeah. just recovering from the training program. Matthew, when we were doing this, actually, we were kind of stupid because we did it in the winter. You did 75 hard in the winter. Yeah, but my thought process was, and Michelle Ooh. didn't necessarily agree, was working out twice a day would be the front nine and then the back nine. It works as long as you're walking. Yeah, I don't see how that. Uh, that's that's lockdown logic. I don't see any. They're not poking a hole in that. <laughs> six three six. My peak. I started The Sopranos because Michelle said it's the best show ever. Oh. Pitt. I'm addicted. I j- may just get the R and The Sopranos tattooed on my body. <laughs> you're welcome, and also I'm sorry. Yeah. You're welcome because you are about. I'm I'm jealous of you because you get to experience The Sopranos for the first time. Enjoy it. But I'm sorry because no other television show will ever hold up the way that The Sopranos does. I watch other shows. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved Yellowstone. They're like, oh, Yellowstone, the drama, rip. Beth is amazing. The mm-hmm. Duttons, the drama. I couldn't even get through three three se- seasons of it. Really? I pulled the plug. I'm like, the storyline is the same. This is so redundant. Can I get one more metaphor with a gravelly voice as we overlook the scenery? Mm-hmm. Can I get one? <laughs> It's just, ah! I'm telling you, The Sopranos had it all. You really liked the Walter White one, right? Breaking Bad was yeah. very good, but it is not, I, I would say Game of Thrones is in The Sopranos conversation. Mm-hmm. The Wire is in The Sopranos conversation. But even The Wire, a lot of people didn't like the Doc season. 
There's there's no misses when it comes to The Sopranos. The doc season has aged incredibly well. I it think gets the better docs every time I watch the doc season. Favorite Sopranos character? Oh, Polly Walnuts. Thank yeah. you. Yes, Michelle Come Smallman on. with the correct answer, on, ladies and gentlemen. Poly. It's absolutely Polly Walnuts. It's got to be. When he said to his mother, Drado's peeps. I mean, come on. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. <laughs> six, six, one, eight. He was an interior decorator. Uh, 618 Peak. I'm graduating with my doctoral degree tomorrow. Congratulations. All right. He, does, he did fit a peak in here, a pit in here. Uh, Kofi going pro. Oh, that's, that's kind of a bit. Yeah, kind yeah. of big time, but expected. And we wish him the best. Yeah, at some point, he's probably going to go pro anyway. Yeah, he had dipped his toe in twice. Yeah. And now he's cannonballing in. But wow, a doctor listening to the show. Oh. Smart audience. Yeah, we are in, in tall cotton now. <laughs> 314 peak. I got to go to the Schnooks Rewards members event at Enterprise Center on Tuesday. I got to meet Chris Kerber, Joey Vitale, and Bernie Federko. My pit, I didn't get to meet Al McInnes. Oh. Mm. But you still got to meet three great guys involved Legends. with the Blues. Yes. I would love to talk to that person and ask them what they chatted uh, about with Joe Vitale. Yes, that was my question. What was that convo like? And Joey's going to be with us later today at 9.15 because he's on the in the Pacific time zone. Yes. They adjust quickly to that Pacific time zone. I don't do as... When I get am in the Pacific time zone, if it's 7 o'clock St. Louis time, I'm getting up at 7 o'clock St. Louis time. Not 5 o'clock their time. I, I am, no, I am Wait, getting up at 5 o'clock I was going to say, it is 5 o'clock yeah, their time. I'm getting up at 5 o'clock their time. You're more like Jeff Fisher. Yeah. You're more of a proponent of getting out there a couple days early. Yeah, exactly. Like, letting the body acclimate a little yeah, bit. That's exactly right. I'm yeah. Jeff Fisher. Maybe doing training camp out there for one year. Just for, just for, just for the heck of it. Why not? Uh, 636, I got promoted to communications director. Looks into people all, right. all the text line today. We are this thriving. Is, it's the character and Smallman bump. That's right. Did we get our sounder yet? No? No. We got to work on that. Okay, but we are thriving on a Friday. Pit, this means I can no longer work remote full-time. Oh, yeah, that's communications director thing. Got to communicate, yeah. You can communicate online. Yeah. We all do. I never got to work remote. I know you guys, I, I know I'm, I'm not the only person in the room saying all no. three of us. No, we didn't. We work never got to day. work remote. I, I've And I'm all surrounded by people in my life who've been re- working remotely for the last two years. I can't imagine it. I'm telling you, if I worked remote, we would have had dead air at the end of breaks. Because I would have found something else to do. I would have been distracted. To really? Squirrel. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. There. I find that when I'm on a remote, I'm more locked in. Really? Yeah. How many, how many times would you have been, would the producer have been screaming in, into the talk back, Randy, we're coming back. And, yeah. Randy, we are coming back. Yeah. See, that, yeah, that, would have, that would have happened. Definitely. No doubt. I think you're just more hyper aware of everything. <laughs> when you're on remote? Yeah. Yeah, you, you should be probably. Yeah. But then you get used to it. So you think after a week or so, you would have gotten comfortable? That happened in the fast lane. That you got comfortable? I, I was here, but it happened with one oh. of the people in the fast lane. Oh. They got very comfortable. Oh. And it wasn't BT. The other guy didn't hear anymore. <laughs> but we love him. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. If that narrows it down for you. Uh, if you have a question about your golf game, get it in now to 65780. Jay Delsing, PGA Pro, is going to join us. And he is going to provide you with golf knowledge for your golf season next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Our buddy Jay Delsing will be heard 
Good Golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. But he joins us at 7.30 as we get into the 2022 golf season. Good morning, Mr. Delsing. How are you? Doing well. Good morning, guys. How are you guys? Uh, we love having you with us. Hey, I, I got a question right here off the bat from the text line. Uh, texter from the 314 wants to know how important it is to get fitted for clubs. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I just went and got fitted uh, by CJ over at Pro-Am Golf, and it costs $40, and he is as good as anybody in town. Randy, with all of the different um, technology that's at our fingertips, you've got to get fitted to get the right sort of shafts and equipment uh, to, to meet your game. Your club head speed, your your body type, whether you're a tall guy, whether you're short, whether you're kind of stocky, whether you're thin, all of that stuff makes a difference. And I, I can't tell you how important it is. It, it, it can help so much. Have you been fitted, Randy? I have, yes, sir. And it does. It what makes a big difference. Think? Yeah, absolutely. Michelle, we got to get you on this train. I would love to get fitted. Yeah, I would also love to play golf. Haven't done it once this year. I need to get out there like Randy did yesterday. Yeah, a little music, maybe yeah. a beverage or two. Oh. Yep. Jay, you're speaking my language. Now you're talking. Uh, here's another one, Jay, from the 217. My son is a freshman on the golf team here at a school in Missouri. What's the best advice you can give to us for his development and growth? He's taking lessons, but what else can he be doing? Well, first of all, just play, play, play. I mean, the more he's got a club in his hand, the more he's going to enjoy it. He's going to figure some things out for himself. But I tell anybody that's really serious about working on their game and lowering their handicaps is start from the green and work backwards. Most people go to the range and start with their driver. You can shave so many strokes off your game by figuring out, you know, start. Um, uh, I just had the privilege of interviewing Tom Watson yesterday and he talked about the importance of starting from three feet uh, uh, on the putting clock three feet circle around the hole and then gradually working your way out you know into chipping and pitching and and some of those things so start on the greens and figure out how to make be able to convert a bunch of short putts and then go to your pitching and chipping and try to get that that pitching and chipping down so that you're chipping and uh, the ball close to the hole, it'll save you so many strokes. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Uh, Jay, uh, another question from the text line, and this is in terms of losing distance. He says he videoed his swing and he, he sees that it's off, but have you, and especially as we get older, lost any distance, and is there a way to get it back? That's a great question because I, I didn't think I was losing distance, Randy, because I can't see very well anymore. So I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I hit that thing out of sight. No, the, the, the bottom line is I have lost a little bit of distance, not a tremendous amount. Once I got my knee replaced, I was able to start moving through the ball a little better. But the, the, the best way to try to prevent the loss of distance is to try to keep as fit as you can. Try to stretch. And I know stretching is a complete pain in the ass because you're laying on the floor, you're somewhere on a mat, and you feel like you're not really doing anything. But it really, really helps, especially the midsection your, your hamstrings and trying to keep those things um, loose and flexible. It, it's really super important in the game. Jay, we're getting a lot of questions about putting. We have one from the 618, a couple from the 314. This one says, Jay, what are some good putting drills or things to think about while putting? <clears throat> so here's a good one. I was on the putting green with uh, the, the uh, Dr. Bob Rotella is probably the most world-renowned sports psychologist 
um, on the PGA Tour and in the world of golf. And because I am like I am, I've been a very good friend of Bob Rotella's and, <laughs> and, and they've tried to throw him many curveballs. But we were working on my putting at the Byron Nelson. I'll never forget this. I couldn't putt a ball into the into the ocean. I was so off. And I'm looking over, and Fred Couples is standing over there, and it's like Caddyshack. He is holding everything. The balls are going in from all over the place. And he looks at me and Rotella, and he goes, oh, yeah, what am I supposed to be thinking again while I'm putting? And I was like, oh, boy. So, so the bottom line is, Michelle, don't, you don't need to think. You really don't. It's all about feel. Try to the, – the best putting drill is to, again, go – I would start from two feet around the hole. This is, an, this is, this is a – this drill is twofold. Take three or four balls and put them in a circle around a hole, two feet away. Each putt is two feet away. Go through your routine and knock each one of those in the hole. Once you knock all four of those in the hole, go three feet away. And once you knock all three of those in the hole, if you can get to four, go to four feet away. And here's the kicker here, though, guys. If you miss, you have to start completely over. Ooh. And so mm. what happens? Yeah. So what happens is it puts a lot of pressure on you, and you wind up needing to concentrate instead of, oh, I'm going to send a Snapchat or, oh, I'm going to send a couple of texts in between my putting drill. No, because what happens is if you're really committed to this and you get on that last four footer, you're thinking, man, if I miss this thing, i got to start all the way over, and I'm tired of this drill, and I don't want to keep doing it. <laughs> so one of the things that Tiger kind of introduced into the world, you guys, is purposeful practicing. One time Tiger was hitting, uh, hitting putts, and Butch Harmon was watching him. And he dropped his putter, and he took off sprinting. And he said, Butch said he sprinted for about, you know, Butch said it was 500 yards. It was probably 50 yards because Butch, I don't think, has ever run in his life. <laughs> but then Tiger ran there, turned around, and came back. And Butch is like, what the hell are you doing? And he goes, I need to be making these putts when my heart is racing. I need to have my heart beat up. I need to have it be more similar to a round of golf when I really give a damn about whether or not I can make these putts or not. And so a lot of people have incorporated, a lot of tour players have incorporated this purposeful practice where they're trying to uh, emulate these, these um, situations that they get stuck in, you guys, and then try and, and practice that way. Jay, the match is going to be June 1st, Memorial Day weekend, and no PGA pros this year. It's Brady and Rogers against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm definitely not as intrigued if pro golfers aren't involved. I, I'm not either, Randy. I'm not either. I um, I, I love the star power. Although, and, and Aaron Rodgers, when he played with Bryson DeChambeau and Phil and, and Brady took those guys on, Aaron Rodgers was awesome. He was really good. But he's such a tool in some of the other parts of his life. I just can't get I can't get next to him. No, I, I'm with you. It's I I, I agree. Can't do it. So I'm, I don't think I'm going to watch it all. No, it's uh, that is definitely not appointment. Golf. Uh, and by the way, I, I name dropped you yesterday because out, out on the range at Fox Run, and they said, Hey, you playing in the member guest in mid June? I said, I, I don't know yet. I got to look at my schedule. And they said, Well, tell me in a hurry. And I said, Can I bring Delsing? And then the guy next to me on the range said, Yeah, you can't bring him. So uh, could I bring a ringer? Oh my gosh, what's on the line for us? I mean, you know, we could, we could figure something out. <laughs> okay, let's, we'll, we'll talk about it. Sure. I love Fox Run. They they do a great job out there, and that golf course is was it in good shape, Randy? It's in fantastic that, shape, yeah, it's great. It is awesome. Once you get out there, it's a little 
it's a little it's a little ways out there, but it's it's beautiful. The golf course is really great. Yeah, I'll I'll shoot you a text, and you'd have to obviously carry me, but we could have a good time. Oh my gosh, it's all about the fun. Okay, the golf. Sometimes the golf shows up. Sometimes it doesn't. It's <laughs> exactly. all about the it's all about the people. All right. Hey Jay, always great to have you with us. And by the way, on Sunday morning, who are we going to hear from? Guys, we've got Chris Zimmerman, who is the president and COO of uh, St. Louis Blues Hockey Operations. But what most people don't know, Zim was the president of Nike Golf from 96 to 2006 when Tiger was at Stanford and when Tiger came on board. And we have phenomenal stories about Tiger and about Nike getting involved in golf and some of the mishaps and uh, besides being a really cool human being, Chris Zimmerman has some great stories. We're looking forward to that. He is great and does have some fantastic stories about Tiger, so we'll be tuned in for the hour. Jay, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. No problem, Michelle. Maybe you can come caddy for Randy and I. You can be our beverage girl. That sounds great, Jay. Uh, okay. One for you, one for me. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> one for me, Fair. two for you. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy. Michelle, after last night, Albert Pujols this year is 1 for 12 against right-handed pitchers. That's an 083 batting average. Also happens to have an 083 slug against right-handers and a 298 OPS. Uh, left-handed OPS, uh, uh, well, uh, an OPS against lefties of 2.144. He is hitting 667 against lefties. Ooh. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals need to stick with the original plan. I'm going to take that. And I think that they probably will as we evolve through the season. But the temptation to start him, is it, whether it's a lefty or a righty, has got to mm-hmm. be there. I get the opening day thing yeah, and the success against left-handers. But you're getting to a point now where it's last year he was horrendous against right-handed pitching. And he's so great against lefties. And you did give Corey Dickerson $5 million, and you have Nolan Gorman raking a left-handed hitter at AAA. At some point, I think you've got to give left-handed DHs an opportunity. Yes, and they probably will. But the excitement every time he hits a home run, Randy, I would be, as we get closer to 700, I would be tempted to put him in there, even if the matchup wasn't favorable as well. And even though it was a right-hander on opening day, I go back to this because this is a major league player. When we walked into that red jacket room and the first guy to come to, up to us was Izzy and he said, you know he's going to hit a home run today, don't you? Yes. Everybody expects, even major league players that have been around and know what they're talking about, they expect the guy to hit a home run. And no matter who <laughs> who's he's facing, right. whatever the yep. situation is, we all expect it from him all the time. Yeah. So like I said, I understand the temptation to put him in there all the time, but as, as those numbers continue to play out that way I don't think you can justify it as you get further into the season but keep him in there versus lefties he's crushing it yeah absolutely okay so Randy this story got a lot of run yesterday a flight was taking out of San Francisco International Airport heading to Florida two bros get on the flight one of them 
confirmed intoxicated. Don't know about the other guy. Uh, the one confirmed intoxicated guy sits down in his seat and he realizes that Mike Tyson is sitting in front of him. Exciting, right? Mm-hmm. He's a celebrity. We all love Mike Tyson. So he says, what's up to Mike Tyson? Mike Tyson takes a selfie with him. Everything's cool. Then the guy gets a little overly excited. He keeps bugging Mike Tyson. He keeps bugging Mike Tyson. His buddy is across the aisle and he's filming and bugging Mike Tyson. And he won't leave it alone. Mike Tyson gives him the the Aaron Rodgers, relax. The guy will not relax. The next thing you know, Mike Tyson gets up, starts throwing several punches into the guy's face. The video ends with the guy's face being all busted and bloodied. And uh, he says he's going to press charges. The the police got involved. Mike Tyson gets off the plane. Take it or leave it. This guy kind of had it coming. I'll totally take that. 100% he had it coming. I do not condone violence in any way. But this is Mike Tyson. This mm-hmm. is someone that you do not provoke. If you're going to poke the bear and the bear is Mike Tyson, expect the bear to bite back. If it were just a random person, I could accept it even a little bit more. But because it's Mike Tyson, you should have a pretty good idea of what the consequences are that might lie ahead. It's like Tiger King. Remember, mm-hmm. they're saying, oh, the tigers are great. The tigers are great. And then in the next scene, a woman gets her arm ripped off. Right. Yeah. Eventually, the tiger's not going to be so great. Eventually, mm-hmm. the tiger is going to resort to who the tiger is, and yep. it's going to rip your arm off. Mike Tyson is a fighter. He's going to mm-hmm. fight when provoked. And, oh, by the way, Mike Tyson has become a fun amiable guy he, he there's no reason to provoke him you he got your selfie everything should be good by now but this is what happens but you're drunk right this guy is drunk his buddy's filming him he just thinks that he's gonna get his his video that he can post on social media look at me i'm so tough yeah. i'm provoking mike tyson he didn't do anything yeah well yeah he, he did he did it's <laughs> awesome all right the text line six five seven eight oh matt what do we got Take it or leave it. Tommy Edmond needs to be in the leadoff spot now, at least until Dylan Carlson can get it figured out. I will take that Dylan Carlson needs to be moved down in the lineup. I don't think it's only Tommy Edmond, though. I would give Bader an opportunity up there, too. I'm intrigued to see what Bader could do at the leadoff spot, but I think my first move would be to get Tommy Edmond back up there. Yeah, that's where I would start, but I don't think it should be specifically his spot. His domain, like Vince Coleman's, when he, we knew he was the leadoff hitter. From the six one eight, take it or leave it. One of the following three will be only one, only sorry, only one of the following three will be a blue for the 2022-23 season. Jordan Cairo, Vladimir Tarasenko, Jordan Biddington. Only one. Only will be one a of blue? those three will be a blue next season. I'll leave that. Yeah, two of them. Biddington's going to be here, and Cairo's going to be here. Yeah, Vladdy's the question mark. Yeah, right. Do you consider moving him? I would. Even though he's has a bit, essentially a career year, right? But one year left on the contract in his thirties, you have money that you need to spend elsewhere. You got burned by the salary cap this year, and he did ask for a trade last year. We don't know where that stands, but because of the age and the fact that he's a, a UFA after next year, I can't let that asset walk out for nothing. Two words for me, Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that you might want to open up some cap space. Absolutely. Certainly not nothing. 636, uh, take it or leave it. Bennington makes a playoff start this year. Take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Maybe round two or three, but he'll make Ooh. a playoff start. Interesting. Round two or three. Yeah. He won't make it in the finals, probably. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll start all the finals games. But no round one start. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No round one at all? Well, 
You know, who says this will be like the uh, Brian Elliott, Jake Allen thing in 2016, mm-hmm. but Bennington will be better than than Jake was. Mm-hmm. My prediction. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Debo Samuel and Lamar Jackson would be the scariest combo in football. I'm going to leave that. Because Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup still exist? They still exist. And I don't know if you're going to get much scarier than what you have with Mahomes and Tyreek. But they're not together anymore. But it was the most It was the most lethal. I would say that that combination was more productive than Jackson and Samuel would or could be. Oh, I was thinking currently oh. in the NFL. If you, so if you put people together, if you put that group together... Tua and Tyreek? Scary. Super so, lethal. Go Dolphins. Yeah. If Debo doesn't like how he's being used, you take away those like jet those jet sweep read options that would you you would conceptualize as so dangerous for a Debo Jackson combo. You take those out because it's gonna piss off Debo in the mm-hmm. long run by running those plays, and that kind of takes one of the you know gadgets of that combo, you know, kind of out of the equation. Right. Yeah. Allen and Diggs is a pretty tough one. Uh Cousins and Justin Jefferson, pretty tough one. I would say that Carr and Adams. I, I would say mm, that Carr and one, Adams would one, probably be more lethal, at least before having played, than Lamar and Debo. That's a good one. I, I would agree with that. Take it or leave it. Calgary will not trade Matthew Kachuk. It's going to have to be a deal. It's going to have to be a free agent signing. I'm going to leave that because I think much like the Blues, and the Blues, they lost Bacchus and they lost Petro, nobody likes to see a valuable asset walk out the door for nothing. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Calgary's going to have to come to grips with the fact that that's what they're looking at. That's what the future holds, unless they move him and get something back in return. And if he's given any indication that he wants to come to St. Louis and that this is what's going to be there at the end of the road, you're mm-hmm. right. They might as well do something and get something for it, right. for him. And if you're the Blues, let's just play this out a little bit. So at the draft, you go out and trade Tarasenko for a couple of picks, first and a third or whatever, first and a second, a one this year, two next year. And that's part of a package that you give up in exchange for a Matthew Kachuk. You use those assets to go get Kachuk so that you can essentially trade Tarasenko and another asset to get a guy like Kachuk. I think that would be an interesting way to approach it if you're the Blues. By the way, we can't leave this one out there. When we're talking about lethal quarterback wideout combos, how about Burrow and Chase? A lot of people on the yeah. text line bringing up those two. They're Do pretty lethal. Yeah. yeah. Our, ba- our bad for, for not bringing up those two. Yeah. What a duo. Jamar's fantastic. We're getting a lot like this, so I'll try to synthesize them. 636, the Blues would be better off finishing third and not having home eyes advantage because they thrive better as an underdog. I'm take it or leave it. I kind of want to take that. After, after we spoke to David Perron and he laid out why he would like to start mm-hmm. out on the road, and he said if we start at home, that's great too. We have uh, the fans behind us and we love playing at Enterprise Center. But I, I loved what he said about it being a business trip. You arrive there. You don't have to wait around your house to go down to the arena. You don't have to worry about tickets. Uh, you know, and I'm just paraphrasing all the things he talked about. And then I think about 2019 and how mm. great they were on the road. And why not follow that same blueprint? And here in the regular season, they're seven zero and one in their last eight road games. I think it's a coin flip. I really do. And I know that we're supposed to take a hot take, but I can find good reasons for both scenarios to play out because the kids, especially like a Kairou and as a premier guy, Thomas. They haven't had to play with that intensity on the road yet. And 
my guess is, is that the the young players would, and even Falk, who really hasn't played in the playoffs, like this, where you have expectations of winning mm-hmm. a Stanley Cup, I would think that it'd be better for those guys to start at home. But the guys that have won the Stanley Cup, they're ready to go win a game on the road for you. They like that environment. Yeah, they really do. And Bennington especially. If you're going to start Bennington, uh-huh. if you're on the road, I, start Bennington. I have no problem with that. Have a home road split for, with your goalies for the playoffs. Who's so at home, been around the road? Yeah. Why not? It'd be fun. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, it's Friday, and uh, we want some Friday feelings from you. And we want you to be honest here. And you can use a, use a mic drop. And Michelle, if people want to mic drop with a fake name or a fake location, they can do so, right? Yeah, if you need to hide your identity, we totally support that because we're about to get vulnerable here. We're about to share yeah. some feelings. We spent the better part of 21 years at this time of year getting ready for the NFL draft. And for most of those years, except for the greatest show on turf four or five seasons, the draft was our Super Bowl, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was what we prepared for. That was what gave us hope. It wasn't October that gave us hope. It was April and May that gave us hope. So how much do you miss getting ready for the NFL draft when you had a team? How tough, how, how tough is it to not have a team to prepare for the draft for? Yeah, because I think for a lot of people around St. Louis, the Super Bowl was is a uh, a fun sports holiday that you didn't really have a lot of an emotional investment in. No. And for for the draft, you did. To your point, Randy, there was a lot of hope. Is is the, Are the Rams drafting a quarterback number one overall? Is that going to be what turns things around? Getting him a weapon, is that going to be the thing that turns it around? We would pour over all of the mock drafts and see who was going to the Rams. And you miss that that excitement, that build-up to draft day, and we're going to talk about it. Are they really going to draft Adam Carricker? <laughs> it's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carricker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. (sighs) Welcome in to the Friday Feeling Circle on Carriker and Smallman. Remember when we used to have a football team? Remember mock drafts? Scouting reports? Hey, sometimes good things would happen. Remember Robert Quinn? It wasn't all Tavon Austin. So come on in. Reminisce about the good times. Like those five good times. No guilt, no judgment, no names. Come on in here and join us. It's the Friday Feeling Circle on Character and Smallman. Oh, man. Those, those five good days were really good, Michelle. Those five good times. Miss those. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe it's kind of like the coach that remembers the losses more than the wins. But I remember... Thinking about how Dick Vermeil had set up a program so that you had a player ready when somebody left, so that like when Robert Jones left, you had L- London Fletcher ready to step in, or when you uh, had uh, Todd Light leaving, you you had a cornerback ready to step in. There there was always a program, and I'm I'm thinking, okay, DV leaves, he retires, but the program is still here, so. We know Azakim is going to be a free agent after 2000, so we're definitely going to take either Dennis Northcutt or Todd Pinkston with the last pick in the draft, uh, in the first round. Trunk candidate. Trunk candidate. 
Wait, 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 what? As our friend Taylor Twelman would say many years later, what are we doing here? And uh, I remember thinking, okay, well, we've, we've got London Fletcher. So we'll just keep London Fletcher, and we can just continue to build the depth of the defense. No, let's let London Fletcher walk as a free agent and select Robert Thomas. And then Michelle... He's been pretty good for the Blues, though. That's different Robert Thomas, unfortunately. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, he's so hot right now. Yeah. And then the the worst two-year run ever, and it pains me to say this. Well, actually not the worst two-year run. It even got worse. But 2006, you own the 11th pick. In the 2006 draft, you trade the 11th pick and move down so that you can take Ty Hill. The 11th pick winds up being a guy named Jay Cutler. Okay, so that's not so bad that Jay Cutler is gone. You weren't going to use him. But the 12th pick, the pick that came after you traded number 11, that wound up being Haloti Nada, who's mm. probably going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was okay? good. Yeah. So that was 2006. 2007. You've already got Haloti Nada, right? You don't need a defensive tackle. Well, the Rams needed a defensive tackle, so they took a defensive end out of Nebraska named Adam Carricker. They took him with pick number 13, Adam Carricker 13. The 14th pick in that 2007 draft was a guy named Darrell Revis. Mm, Revis Island. He owned his own island, yeah. He did, yeah. He's going to the Hall of Fame. So you had an opportunity to have your defensive tackle cornerback combo B, Haloti Nada and Darrell Revis. Unfortunately, it wound up being Cousin Adam and Ty Hill. Neither of, well... Ty Hill lasted about three years in the league. Cousin Adam actually went to Washington and played for a few years, but it wasn't because he was that great. So, you know, this is supposed to be a feeling circle where we talk about missing the draft, Randy, and I think you just unloaded some deep-rooted trauma. I don't even think you missed the draft, Randy. I think it caused you a lot of pain. Ultimately, it did, but... But you miss the pain? It hurts so good? I miss the hope. Mm. I miss the, oh, they're going to keep building a program. Oh, they're going to build a defense that has a couple of Hall of Famers. Unfortunately, it didn't always work out that way. Now, the the feelings guy, he did mention Robert Quinn. That was a good choice. Yeah, he was great. Remember Aaron Donald? We got a, a hot minute of him. Yeah, we did. That was fun. We also got Jason Smith. Yeah, we did. So the question is, do you miss it? I, I do miss it because it gave me hope every year. I agree. When your team is going 15 and 65, which is the worst five-year stretch of football in NFL history, the draft becomes your Super Bowl. And I do miss, Randy, I miss having all of the draft analysts on the radio and them saying who they think the Rams would select and then all of us going to watch highlights on Tavon Austin and think about how the Rams would utilize him. We thought about it more than they did, apparently. (laughs) Um, But... I, you know what I miss more than anything is I miss draft day, the excitement of draft day. Mm-hmm. I miss knowing the the St. Louis Rams are on the clock and the way your heart would stop a little bit when the card was in and the chime would go. Yeah. The St. Louis Rams select and your heart, oh, see? Your heart skips a beat because you think, is this going to be the moment that we remember forever when Roger Goodell says the name that is the player that's going to change the Rams' fortune, that's going to help the franchise become what we want it to be? We didn't get to hear that too often. Usually those names we we didn't hear a lot, uh, you know, in the future. But 
I miss that more than anything. I miss mm-hmm. the suspense of draft day. Couple of texts. Uh, this one from the three one four. Being completely honest, I miss it greatly. Going back to the nineties, before the team was even here, I read the magazines, listened to Howard Balzer every week, studied the draft, and did all my predictions and followed along so close. Since the team left, I have not watched the draft or even been interested. Sad. We've got a mic drop as well from uh, Rodas, who's with us on 101 ESPN. Nothing gave me more joy than seeing all seven fans in Los Angeles celebrate the Rams Super Bowl win. But yeah, we're the ones that aren't a sports town. (laughs) From the uh, 618, Michelle, being a Raiders fan, I have my own issues. I do miss the draft talk on the radio, though. It's still the NFL and should be talked about more, in my opinion, team or not. And... Mm. That's a, it's the a struggle is, that we have. Yeah, it, it is, because we, who do we talk about? Yeah, especially when it comes where, to the draft, yeah, right? Yeah, where do you focus, right? Yeah, how do you really drill in on the draft? I, mean, I guess you could talk about who you think would be a good match for certain teams, yeah. but that's it's difficult for us when it comes... When it's during the season, everybody is playing fantasy football. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who put wagers on games, so you can talk about individual matchups of the week, um, etc. There's always a storyline in the NFL, but when it comes to the draft, you really have to drill in on certain yeah. teams and who right. their selections are going to be or who you would like their selections to be, and that's where we struggle here. Is it the Chiefs? Is it the Bears? Is it the Colts? Is mm-hmm. it the Titans? Is it the Dolphins in our case? I don't know. It's it's hard because I don't know how many people are really interested in in the Bears draft. No, I I don't know. That, that, where do you focus? It, right. it it's so broad. It's it's hard to come in on a micro level and, and talk about the draft on St. Louis radio. This one and Michelle and I have different feelings about this. From the six three six, I was so confident Tavon Austin was going to be what Tyreek Hill is. Mm. That excitement was so great while it lasted. I thought Ty- Tavon Austin was going to be what Azakim was, and. I thought that, oh, that we're going to build an offense, we're going to have, a, have three receivers, our third receiver is going to be fast and better than what the other team's third corner is. Unfortunately, that thought process of opening up, opening it up stopped after four games, and then Jeff Fisher brought in the cooler of beer and said that he'd called the commissioner's office and they said to cancel. They, they could just forget about the first quarter of the season, that it didn't matter. Yeah, I bet he, wish, so, he wishes that did happen. So they traded up to get Tavon Austin at number 8 with the idea that we're going to have this wide-open offense. We've got a number 1 overall quarterback, and we're going to start throwing to our receivers. And then Fisher's DNA kicked in after four weeks, and they decided, oh, we're going to only throw off of play action, and we're going to do two receivers, two running backs, and a tight end. It was- Tavon drifts right, muffs the punt. It's on the ground and up for grabs. Well, that was kind of like Azakim. <laughs> I remember being confused by the Tavon Austin pick. I was concerned about his size, but I just remember us interviewing Les Snead. I believe it was on the fast lane, Randy. And, yeah, and, was, and then guess what? He was so hyped about the Tavon Austin pick. Mm-hmm. He talked about how... It's a red flag right there. <laughs> oh, man. But don't you even miss that? Ha- yeah, I do. Having whatever Rams personnel come on the radio the next yep. day and spew the propagandas to try to convince us that Tavon Austin was a good pick. Now, we didn't know at the time that they were trying to lose. No. You know, and that makes more sense. That does, right. As to yeah. not only why they would make the pick, but why they wouldn't try to utilize him or mm. make him a weapon. Because yeah. you could have you come up with some creative schemes to really weaponize oh, him. Oh, man. And the they other, just didn't do it. Yeah, the other thing you could have done 
if you weren't going to stick with that plan to have him be a gadget weapon type guy, you traded up and gave up assets to go f- to number eight from number 16. You could have just sat at number 16 and taken the guy that everybody else loved and went to 27, DeAndre Hopkins, who's mm-hmm. wound up being a pretty good wide receiver. That would because, have been a better pick, yes. Yeah, yes. and you could have, that, that would have been a logical pick and you would not have had to trade up to get Tavon. So what's your biggest draft day heartbreak? Now that you look back, who was the person that you thought was going to be the guy, the difference maker that didn't pan out? Because mine's easy. Mine is too. I think we have the same one. Sam Bradford? Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest heartbreak. But the the biggest mistake, Michelle, was when they took Michael Brockers. <laughs> oh boy. I remember the I remember that Friday show, Randy. You were not pleased. So Jeff not Fisher's pleased. first draft, and this should have been a red flag for us as well, because they trade down from two to six to twelve to collect all these draft choices and wind up taking taking a, a nose tackle at number 12. You get nose tackles in the sixth round. That's just the way football was, is, and always will be. And when they did that and decided to use number 12 in 2012 on Michael Brockers, there was a guy that was a potential Hall of Famer in David DeCastro that was still sitting on the board. And rather than utilize that pick on something sensible that would have really helped the team win in an era in which you needed to protect your quarterback, you had Steven Jackson, you needed to get your running game going. He decided, Fisher did, oh, I think the play should be for us to go out and try to enhance our defense with a nose tackle. Wasn't even the best player they could have taken with that pick. And then DeCastro winds up going 24th and really does have pretty much a Hall of Fame career with the Steelers. Hmm. So not not smart on the part of your St. Louis Rams. We're going to get more of the Friday Feeling Circle coming up at 9 o'clock here on 101 ESPN. Yeah, so if you're going to send a mic drop and you're embarrassed that you're still missing the draft, you can use a fake name. You can use a pseudonym. We won't judge. Not at all. But coming up next, the Blues get another win, and they've gone 14 in a row with at least a point, and Robert Thomas is hot, hot, hot. We're going to hear from Thomas and Jordan Bennington about Thomas next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The Blues came away with a 3-1 win last night in San Jose, and the Sharks are not good, aside from... The Kraken, who are an expansion team, the Sharks have the worst record in the West. They've lost 11 of 12, Michelle. Those are games that the Blues have to win. And if they want, and they do want home ice in the playoffs, they need to win games like that. And the Blues have extended their point streak to a franchise record 14, courtesy of Jordan Bennington's win last night. That's special, and that's, uh, you know, goes without saying that's pretty tough to do in this league. And uh, I think we've put a put a good uh, series of games together here and um, you know I think we've kept our head down and just been working taking one game at a time and and uh, if you pick your head up every once in a while you know we got a uh, good number of points in a row so it's uh, it's, it's a good accomplishment and uh, we just got to keep sticking to the plan. There's only four games left. We worried about the Blues peaking too soon. Now they're hot at the right time, right? Yes, they are. They're hot at the right time. It's so funny to think back to before the point streak started when we were 
all stressed out because the Blues didn't know what their identity was. And they were playing down to competition. They were being really inconsistent. They weren't scoring first. They were chasing a lot in games. There were just a lot of things that were confusing. And we didn't really know why the Blues weren't playing up to their expectations. But they have turned it around, Randy. And I feel great about this team heading into the playoffs. I really don't have many questions. I would like Tory Krug's hurt again. I, I would like to yeah. have a healthy team, but in but isn't terms that any any year yeah. you you're concerned about health right. heading into the always, playoffs, yeah, always. But in terms of like you're talking about, just the way they're playing hockey, I don't see how you can dislike anything. And one of the cool things that's happened with the Blues is that young players have risen up to become better players. And the Blues haven't always done the greatest job of being patient with young players throughout the course of the franchise's history. They've allowed one or two guys to get away that had Joey Mullen is in the Hall of Fame that uh, could have done great things for them that they wound up trading. Well, a couple of guys that were rookies on that Stanley Cup team in 2019 were Binnington and Robert Thomas. So now last night, Binner gets the win and he gets a chance to watch Robert Thomas get goal number 20 and continue a point streak to 15 games. Yeah, he's a special player and uh, he's had a great season and um, it's good to see him hit that 20 goal mark and um, you know he's, he's working hard. He's he's playing playing well, and uh, he's being a leader out there. So it's uh, it's good hockey right now for us. He has 27 points. Robert Thomas does during his scoring streak, longest for the Blues since Pierre Turgeon, and only Brett Hull and Blake Dunlop have had longer streaks for the Blues. So he's in pretty rare company. And he has found a fast game. I'm amazed by how fast he plays, and he he didn't play that fast in. 1819 or 1920, but he's flying through the neutral zone and can make a pass while he's flying. While he's flying, it's it's a skill set that he's had for a long time, but now he's maximizing it, and it's incredible. He also is on the right line. He's with yeah. guys that are extracting it from him, and sometimes that's all it takes, right, is getting paired with the right people mm-hmm. and finding people that uh, anticipate your moves and that you can have great chemistry with. And we've seen that certainly with Pavel Buchnevich and Vladimir Tarasenko. I think they've really helped bring the best out of Robert Thomas. Now, one of my favorite traditions that these two guys have, Binner and Thomas, is that they get together before every period, and they have for a long time. And Thomas gives Binnington a fist bump before every period, and it's something Thomas was asked about last night. Robert, I want to ask you, you make that dart to Bennington before every period, and tonight it looked really fast, and he said, hey, he was late, that's why. <laughs> Were you late getting to Bennington? Just what is that, what are you doing that for to go give him the fist bump? Between you? Uh, I don't know, it's just something, you know, I always done, give the goalies a little bump when you get out. Um, yeah, I think I was late. Drew was, Drew was really slow changing my stick out before the period, so uh, I had to get the boots going a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just something I've always done, and, uh, you know, that's about it. There's nothing special to it. I think it is kind of special. I think it kind of it shows leadership, right? It mm-hmm. shows caring, and it's just kind of a traditional thing. I, I love stuff like that. Well, and we know athletes, especially hockey players, are very superstitious about routine. So once you start doing something, right. you got to do it all the time. But I'm definitely stealing that. We got to get the boots going a little bit. Get the boots going, eh? Got to get the boots going a little bit. It's a remarkable run for the Blues, and they'll try to continue it tomorrow night when they're in Arizona, and then Sunday they're going to be playing in Anaheim, and hopefully they can keep that streak going. And as we mentioned early on in the show, we'll talk to Joe Vitale about this in the 9 o'clock hour. If the Blues can win these two games, there will only be two editions of the St. Louis Blues with more points than this one. They would have 109 if they can get wins in Arizona and in Anaheim. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up, it's 
the fight on, we have a Hall of Fame try today, right? We have a right? Hall of Fame fight on deck. Oh, looking forward to that on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. We've got a big one for you on Carricker and Smallman on this Friday on 101 ESPN. AJ has beaten Randy twice. Two times in a row, which means that today is his third attempt at the fight. If AJ beats Randy today, he is a Hall of Famer. And we haven't had a Hall of Famer yet in 2022. It's actually been a hot minute since we've had one. I can't even remember the last time we've had a Hall of Famer. So this is a big deal. A rarity, if you will. AJ is with us again. The champ is here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, AJ. How are you? Hey, good morning, Michelle. I'm doing good. How are you? I am good. Are you ready for your chance at the Hall of Fame? A little bit nervous. I know I know how good Randy is, but I'll give him the best the best shot. You know, he's good, but you did beat him two times in a row, AJ. Let's have some confidence in yourself, okay? All right. <laughs> okay, good luck. <laughs> Hall of Fame on the line for AJ. Question number one. With one more hit and one more double, Miguel Cabrera will be the third player with 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and 600 doubles. Joining Albert Pujols and who else? Is it Rafael Palmero? Hank Aaron or Willie Mays? Ooh. I'm going to say Willie Mays. On this day in the 2010 NFL Draft, the Rams selected Sam Bradford number one overall. Excuse me, the St. Louis Rams selected Sam Bradford number one Uh overall. What other Big 12 Heisman finalist was taken at number two overall? Was that Ndamukin Sue, Robert Griffin III, or Adrian Peterson? You say Robert Griffin III. AJ Alexander Ovechkin hit the 50 goal mark for the ninth time in his career earlier this week, tying him with Wayne Gretzky and what Eastern Conference scorer for the most 50 goal seasons in NHL history? Is it Martin St. Louis, Bobby Orr, or Mike Bar- Mike Bossy? Go with uh, Bobby Orr. And happy birthday to Marshawn Lynch, the new minority owner for the Seattle Kraken. What team originally drafted Lynch in the first round of the 2007 NFL Draft? Was that the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans, or the Chicago Bears? This is the Chicago Bears. Okay, checking AJ's score. Yep. Waving in Randy, who I know will have a, a good story about number four, I think. He knows the same, or he's going to tell the story I'm thinking of. I think so, yeah. Yeah, which is a great story. It didn't actually hit me until you started smiling, and I was like, oh. Yeah, I love I, that story. I, I have a feeling I know what you're smiling about. Randy, say good morning to AJ. You remember him. He's beat you two days in a row. AJ, good to have you with us. How you doing? Hey, good morning, Randy. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Yes, sir. Are you ready? I guess I'm as ready as I'm going to be. And let's not forget, the Hall of Fame is on the line here. Ooh, okay. Go, AJ. Go. If AJ, AJ wins go. today. Go, go AJ. Go. He's a Hall of Famer. Randy, here we go. Okay. Question number one. 
With one more hit and one more double, Miguel Cabrera will be the third player with 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and 600 doubles, joining Albert Pujols and who else? 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and 600 doubles. It'll play a long time to do that. Well, let's see. Could be Willie Mays. He played a long time. That's my first guess. So I, I'm going to go Mays, A-Rod. I don't think that Eddie Murray got to 600 doubles. Oh, I'm an idiot. 3,000 hits. 500 home runs, 600 doubles. Correct. Henry Aaron. On this day in the 2010 NFL Draft, the St. Louis Rams selected Sam Bradford number one overall. Mm -hmm. What other Big 12 Heisman finalist was taken at number two overall? That would have been Nadama Gong Sa. I believe for a while there it was in Duma Kong was the big one that every draft yeah. analyst was saying incorrectly. Yeah, from Nebraska, who dominated Mizzou on a Thursday night. He also dominated Texas. Let's not forget that, all right? Yeah, it wasn't did. just Mizzou. I know, but I watched the Mizzou game more closely, That's and fair. I was sad about it. That's fair. Yikes. Randy Alexander Ovechkin hit the 50-goal mark for the ninth time in his career earlier this week, tying him with Wayne Gretzky. And what Eastern Conference scorer for most 50-goal seasons for the most 50-goal seasons in NHL history. I think we might have done this one the other day, right? Mike Bossy. And happy birthday to Marshawn Lynch, the new minority owner for the Seattle Kraken. What team originally drafted Lynch in the first round of the 2007 NFL Draft? It was the Buffalo Bills. And the Rams should have traded for him, but they didn't because they were stupid. <laughs> Indeed they were. The, the, color, the color on the answer right there for Andy Carricker. Indeed they were. Stupid. So, Hall of Fame on the line. Randy's lost two days in a row. He's not happy about it. I'm just pulling no, back the curtain. He's not, not pleased. Loser. Not a good loser at all. He's not pleased. There's been some extra salt on those all. Just win, baby. That's my, that's my credo. That's my motto. Did he hit that sounder prematurely? Is Randy a loser three days in a row? Is AJ a Hall of Famer? Or did Randy get redemption on a Friday? I'll tell you what, this one wasn't even close. Matt, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! Just win, baby. AJ, Randy beat you four to nothing. He gets mm. the jack. He got all four correct. Zero lifelines. Just in the zone today. I'm sorry, but great effort from you winning two days in a row. We appreciate you. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's going to be tough coming in, but I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, Jay, we thank you so much for listening, and have a great weekend. Uh, thank you, guys. You as well. Take care. Whew, Randy, great work today. Good job. Thank you. So, Except I was an idiot on the first one. Today, no, redemption you is spelled R-A-N-D-Y. That's right. That's right. You weren't an idiot because you got it right. Miguel Cabrera is going to be the third player with 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and 600 doubles, joining Albert Pujols and Hank Aaron. On this day in the 2010 NFL Draft, man, what a good day. We thought it was going to be the best day. it was going to be awesome. We thought it was going to be the best day. Yep. The St. Louis Rams selected Sam Bradford number one overall. 
and Damakin Sue, drafted number two overall that year. Alexander Ovechkin, Ovi, hit the 50-goal mark for the ninth time in his career earlier this week, tying him with Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy for most 50-goal seasons in NHL history. And Marshawn Lynch was originally drafted in the first round of the 2007 NFL Draft, 12th overall by the Buffalo Bills. And remember, he got there and he was thinking it was New York City. Yeah, that's right. He goes, where am I? I thought yeah. I was going to New York. They're like, yeah. you're in New York. <laughs> you're not in the city. And he's like, get me out of here. Yeah. What is this snow? I can't deal with this. Yeah, that was very funny. That was great. We are back, baby. We are back. That's We right. are back. I'm winning. I'm winning. Win, 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 win. There we go. You know what? Give me one more because you didn't do it for two days. <laughs> so you want me to just add to... Okay. I know you want to. It's a Friday. Why All not? Right. I'm feeling generous. Okay. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Oh, it's too hot, too hot, too hot. <laughs> hot, hot, hot. It's so damn hot. If you want to throw down in fisticuffs, fine. I've got Jack Johnson and Tom O'Leary waiting for you right here. I'm kind of a big deal. Wow. Okay. I said Get one more. over it. <laughs> you know, Randy, um... I always cheer for the listener when a Hall of Fame is on the line mm-hmm. because it's a very difficult thing to do. And we need more Hall of Famers. We do. In our fight Hall of Fame. It's difficult because you're really good at this. But I was thinking about the fact that you're not going to be here on Monday. I'm not. No. And so if AJ was, in fact, a Hall of Famer, he would come back on Monday. And the rules are if you become a Hall of Famer, you have to take the fight Randy style, <laughs> right. which means no options. But when you're out, I need the options. So I didn't know how that was going to go down. I was I was preemptively stressed about the fact that I was yeah. going to need the options, but the listener wouldn't and how that was going to go down. So I'm kind of glad you won today, Randy. <laughs> you say you saved me some stress on a Monday. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I helped you out. I'm glad that I saved your weekend. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have slept all weekend. I would have been so worried about it, for sure. Hey, last night, Jordan Hicks gave the Cardinals three good innings, and now the Cardinals head to Cincinnati, where last year... Opening weekend was kind of fun. It won't be as fun this year because one guy is missing. That's next on 101. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tonight in Cincinnati, it's an Apple Plus game. It's exclusive, so if you have Bally or whatever, if, you, if you're expecting to see the game on Bally Sports, you're not. It's going to be on Apple Plus. And, Michelle, last year, that opening series in Cincinnati was so much fun because there was so much drama. The Reds thought that they were going to be good, and Nick Castellanos scores the run and stands over Jake Woodford, and they had T-shirts the next day. And here we are, exactly a year later, and the Cardinals are good. They are in uh, first place in the division. And the Reds kind of quit during spring training. Right after the lockout, they get rid of, uh, they let Castellanos walk. They get rid of Winker. They get rid of Sonny Gray. They get rid of Eugenio Suarez. And their sixth highest paid player is Ken Griffey Jr. this year. Yikes. Not great. It's, it's sad because, to me... The the best on-field rivalry, probably in the last 20 years, has been the Cueto kicking, right? Yes. And, and that, that Chris Carpenter, uh, Brandon Phillips, Yachty dust-up. That was fun. That was emotional. Oh, yeah. And Dusty against Tony. And then last year with with that stuff, and then 
Joey Votto spouting off after the Reds had swept the Cardinals here, even though Votto has never won a season series against the Cardinals. And now that's why he spouted off. He was sick of it. Yeah, sick of it. But now it's just a situation where the Cardinals expect to go in and steamroll the Reds again. It's been that way for most of the last 25 years, ever since Bill DeWitt bought the Cardinals. But it shouldn't be that way. And it's kind of a bummer that we don't really have a rivalry that is a viable rivalry with the Reds. It should be a good rivalry all the time. But isn't that, again, an example of how the Cardinals have been able to sustain success and other teams in their division and comparable markets are not doing the same thing? You know, I know that there are a lot of Cardinal fans that are not satisfied because the Cardinals have not won a World Series in a decade. But think about the other teams in the division. The Cubs have won a World Series, Mm -hmm. but look at what the state of the Cubs has been over the past few years. They're trading off all of their big stars. You have to break it down and, and start over. The Reds, we thought that they were going to be the toast of the division in 2020. It seemed like they were opening a window and going for it. And then where are they now? It's a mm-hmm. sad state of affairs in Cincinnati. Even Nick Castellanos, who was the villain, I think all of us would have rather had him stay in yeah, Cincinnati and be the villain so that we have that rivalry and that juice and uh, that angst, frankly. And he's out of town and saying this is just a classic example of ownership using organizations as a profit. He's pointing to the Reds saying they're what's wrong with baseball when there's no consequences for losing and and a team like the Reds breaking things down, they're not held accountable for it. And it's, it is sad for the Reds yeah. fans. They deserve more than that. And Michelle, it's amazing to think about, especially since 2000, at various points, it's been the Cards and the Astros. It's been the Cards and the Reds. It's been the Cards and the Pirates. It's been the Cards and the Cubs. It's been the Cards and the Brewers. Mm -hmm. But it's always been the Cards. That's right. There hasn't been a time, even when the Cardinals weren't winning the division in 16, 17, 18, that the Cardinals weren't in it. It's always been the Cardinals and somebody else from the division. And if you look at the Cubs, the Brewers, the Pirates, the Reds right now, all of them have tanked. In the last 20 years, too. So brutal. And what are the Cardinals doing? They're bringing in Paul Goldschmidt. They're bringing Mm -hmm. in Nolan Arenado. They're developing young players that are now taking the next step at this level. Um, Adam Wainwright and Gadier Molina, the the guys that people in the division have hated for Mm -hmm. two decades are still there. It's it's a little bit of everything that the Cardinals have been able to do to put together a competitive team every year. And again, I know that there's a lot of people listening saying, well, they need to spend more money. Look at the Dodgers. Look at look at all these other teams. I get it. But we're talking specifically about the division. And it makes me sad, Randy, that there isn't that true rivalry this year for the Cardinals. I know that they're going to be competing with the Brewers head to head and maybe there'll be some bad blood that boils up between the Brewers and the Cardinals, but I miss hating the Reds. I do too. You know what else is strange is that all of those teams that we talked about tanking have done so so that they can get great draft choices. Yet the Cardinals are able to draft Dylan Carlson. They're able to draft Harrison Bader. They're able to draft Tommy Edmond. They're able to draft Jack Flaherty. They're able to draft a guy like Jordan Hicks, who last night turns in a three-inning performance. They're working him in as a starter, building him up, throws 46 pitches, allows one run on two hits, strikes out three, and walks two in his first major league start. What did Hicks think about it? I mean, I liked liked a lot of it. And then uh, the only thing I didn't really like was the the walks. Um, I feel like those ended up hurting me. And I feel like I'm... My stuff's too good to be walking people out there. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to get that, get locked in and, and avoid the walks. I wonder if Jack Flaherty 
ever comes back, if Hicks is the guy that they would take out of the rotation, as we all know with baseball, these things take care of themselves. I wonder how locked in the Cardinals are on having Hicks as a starter, though. You mean because of his skill set and you could use him elsewhere, or you mean because of Jack Flaherty's hopefully imminent return? Yeah, but you know somebody at some point is going to get hurt. I wonder if they're looking right now, thinking about the 2023 rotation and thinking Jordan Hicks is going to be a part of that, or if he is right now just a fill-in guy, and ultimately he'll find himself back in the bullpen. I I haven't even asked anybody about it, but you would think that if they're trying to build him up now as a Mm -hmm. starter, that they would be looking at him long-term as a starter because if you wanted him to be your closer, he could be your closer right now. He's been your closer before. Yeah, I mean, and what a weapon if you can build him up into a starter. We know that he is a flamethrower and he would be a completely different look for a lot of hitters, right? Mm But as you're talking, Randy, I was just thinking about this. How many organizations, if they lost a Jack Flaherty for a portion of the season, would be completely donezo? How many organizations, if they lost an Alex Reyes, would be in in shambles? I mean, we can even go back to Oscar Tavares and Mm -hmm. how, how that sent ripple effects through the Cardinals, but they were able to overcome it. Yes, they were searching with an outfield carousel for a while, but they were able to eventually steady themselves, and they were still putting out a competitive product during that time. And Albert Pujols leaves, and they're still winning. How how many organizations would lose one of those components and fall to the ground, and yet the Cardinals are still making the playoffs and being competitive. And they have guys like Jordan Hicks who are versatile and they can fill different roles with. If you go back to 2017, five years ago now, the Cardinals were looking at a one-two punch in their rotation of Jack Flaherty. Actually, it was Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty. That was going to be your one-two. Those are going to be your your number one starter and your number two starter. And Carlos Martinez, you were thinking, would be in the mix too. And no thought that Adam Wainwright would still be pitching, right? right? But they're able to properly give him credit for this, and he's been hurt. But they they did find something in Miles Michaelis in Japan. They mm-hmm. they evaluated him properly. Uh, they, they've done a really good job, in my opinion, of finding young arms in the bullpen. It looks like Cody Whitley is going to be pretty good. It looks like Helsley is going to be pretty good. They they trade trade that people hated for a couple of years. The void for Giovanni Gallegos, who's your closer now, they, they evaluated Gallegos well. pretty well. So uh-huh. the, the Tommy Pham trade netted them Henesis Cabrera. Mm-hmm. So the, not all of their evaluation, I guess, is is that bad. No, but that's what we do as sports fans is we point to a Randy yeah. Rosarena or, or something that's gone wrong. That's what we do. We don't... Mm-hmm point to all of the positive things. Yeah. But it is a good exercise. It's an important exercise to even look at the state of other teams like the Reds in comparison to the Cardinals. Even in a two-year span, even just from 2020 when the Reds were all in and where they're at today. Yeah. Well, where are you going to go? Yeah, well, that's true. Good, good question. And we didn't even talk about that, about the owner taunting the fans. Where are yeah. you going to go? It's not like they have a second team in town. Well, where are you going to go? Yeah. That's Phil Castellini, the Reds team president. I apologize, but... So, yeah, he did. Give him credit for that. But, again, you have Bill DeWitt, and Bill DeWitt III is our team president. Son of the chairman is the president, just like there. And I'm telling you, not only can I not imagine, I can guarantee you that something like that would never come out of the mouth of Bill DeWitt III. No. What what do we hear from the DeWitts? It's about investments that they're making into downtown Mm -hmm. St. Louis and how they want to serve the community better and how they want to put a winning product on the field and how much they appreciate the fans. Yeah. 
also, it's not just like the Reds. There's been some stories, you know, the Reds aren't showing up because of the comment, the comments from Castellini, but also. A's fans have kind of hit a new low this year in, in a way of, you know what, if you're not going to put money up, mm-hmm. why would I give you the money to then just you know put in your pocket directly and not give me a, a team that I love a chance to actually win something in my lifetime? And you can't ever, you can never blame fans for that. I think the weirdest uh-huh. thing in sports is that people, you know, and we saw it as Rams fans with the way that the national media would come in every Sunday and say, look at the upper bowl here, without mm-hmm. acknowledging that fans shouldn't pay for a product that isn't be it isn't attempting to be, you know, improved upon right, by the owners. Right. They shouldn't do that. And I don't know why this expectation for fans is that they should. Well, I always like to play this game for people that say, eh, the Cardinals don't spend. I say, okay, put yourself in the shoes of a, a good baseball fan five years ago, 2017. Okay. And somebody tells you in 2017, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Albert Pujols are all going to be playing on the same team. Okay. What team do you think it is? Dodgers. Dodgers. Yankees. A- Angels. Yankees. Certainly not the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> and what if I and what if I told you that one of those players, the organization they came from, would be paying the other team to <laughs> right, take him? Right, fifty million dollars. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, so yeah, good. Uh, we we got it pretty good. If you look at the Cardinals' opponent this weekend, the Reds, we got it pretty good. That's Michelle. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. And coming up, we've got some more mic drops. Uh, it's Friday Feelings Circle. How sad are you about not preparing and getting ready for drafts, NFL drafts anymore? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Welcome in to the Friday Feeling Circle on Carriker and Smallman. Remember when we used to have a football team? Remember mock drafts? Scouting reports? Hey, sometimes good things would happen. Remember Robert Quinn? It wasn't all Tavon Austin. So come on in. Reminisce about the good times. Like those five good times. No guilt, no judgment, no names. Come on in here and join us. It's the Friday Feeling Circle on Carriker and Smallman. It's 9.04. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle, this is bringing back so many memories for me. What kind of memories? I, I will give you a happy memory. Okay. And actually, I would love it, that. it turned into a happy memory, but it started out as a sad memory. Oh, so okay. I'm doing a show at Rams Park the f- day before the draft in 2008. I think the draft was still held on Saturdays then. And. We get word that the guy I wanted the Rams to select, Jake Long, has signed with the Miami Dolphins. In those days, teams could sign a player if they had the number one pick beforehand. And so Jay Zygmunt walks into the media room where I'm doing the show during a break. And I said, hey, what do you think of uh, Long? And he said, what do you mean? I said, Long signed with the Dolphins. He said, Chris? I said, no, Jake puts his head down. Because they wanted Jake really bad. Mm. But we wound up having both, and Chris wound up ha- First of all, Chris is, was a much better player than Jake. Mm-hmm. Jake, good guy, came here for a few years, but just got broken down very quickly. He did. And yes. he, he was a stud for a few years. But I remember Jay Zygmunt not knowing that Miami had signed Jake Long and just being despondent over the fact that they had. 
But what do they say, Randy? Sometimes the biggest blessing is you not getting what you wanted. Right. Exactly. So yeah, that that's happened. Like like that one time when the Rams really wanted Marcus Trufant, cornerback. And the pick before them, Seattle took Marcus Trafant. And the Rams literally, this is how bad they were, how inept they were. They went into scramble mode and said, humming, humming, what do we do now? <laughs> and they wound up taking Jimmy Kennedy. But in the 15 minutes during the time between Trufant getting taken by Seattle and the Rams taking Jimmy Kennedy, somebody in the room, some bright mind said, what about the safety from USC? And... Somebody else in the Rams room said, nah, we don't want to spend that kind of money on a safety. Um, and you and I watched that safety go into the Hall of Fame last summer, yeah. Troy Polamalu. Yeah, he was pretty good, too. Yeah. But no, you don't want to invest that much money in a safety. Yeah. Why invest money in somebody that's going to make you better? <laughs> so they took Jimmy Kennedy. Man, there were some bad ones. So the, the premise of this, as you hear this delightful spa music guide you through the segment, mm. is that... We want you to let it out. We yeah. normally would be spending almost every segment every week for months leading up to the draft. A lot that. of people miss the process, Randy. It's not even that they miss the Rams so much because of everything you just outlined. Because the draft was more painful than it was joyous for us. Yeah. It ended up being really painful. But we get addicted to the process of hope. We get addicted to reading all of the mock drafts. And we get addicted to dreaming about what Sam Bradford could do to bring us joy on Sundays. We miss that day. I missed the build up to that day. I missed the chime, Randy, when your heart would stop for just a second and they would say, and the St. Louis Rams select. Took your breath away. It makes you tingly. You're excited. Mm -hmm. And then they would drop a name you haven't heard of and you'd go, huh? What? <laughs> you would only have that, that feeling of joy and that feeling of hope for about three seconds until you'd scratch your head and say, why do I cheer for this team? Why are they insistent on ruining my life? <sighs> they, they've done a lot. Hey, there are a lot of people that have weighed in, and we do appreciate your participation. Evan is in the feeling circle this morning here on 101 ESPN. It's really hard to describe the feeling of the draft when Rams are still in town. Um, usually we had the number, like, top 10 picks every year, and so we always anticipate that pick because we always think that first-round pick is going to be our savior. Uh, but most of the time it wasn't. We had Sam Bradford, uh, Greg Robinson. We just couldn't, uh, couldn't figure it out. I don't know if that was by design, by Kroenke uh, and Jeff Fisher or what, but yeah, definitely missed it, that's for sure. Anything after 2010, after August of 2010, <laughs> was definitely by design, right? Oh, absolutely. That's been confirmed in court, no? Yeah, it has. Um, but gosh, it just made me laugh because we were so tortured. Think about this. That we're talking about a feeling circle of missing a day that never worked out well for us. <laughs> True. This is this is Stockholm syndrome, if I've ever heard yeah, it, that totally we is. that we miss a day that always brought us a player that never mm -hmm. panned out for us. How about this one, Michelle? In 2009, and we talked about this earlier with the second pick in the draft, the Rams take Jason Smith, offensive oh, tackle, out of go there. Yeah, converted tight end to okay. Jason Smith. Mm -hmm. The next year, after taking Sam Bradford. In the first, with the first pick, 
Smith was so bad that they used the first pick in the second round on another tackle to, to protect Bradford, Roger Saffold. Mm-hmm. Who's still playing, by the way. Super nice guy, too. <laughs> Didn't play tackle in college. Yeah, he played guard, okay. and then he gets... He, I mean, you talk about the most important spot on the line. Let's draft a guy who played left guard in college and kick him out because that's what teams do normally oh. and not like in like four instances I can think you know of in what? the last 10 years. What they did to Sam Bradford is malpractice, okay? Mm-hmm. They should have protected him at all costs. I feel so badly for that guy. It has to... Yes, he got paid handsomely. We don't mm-hmm. need to throw in that asterisk. I don't need the caveat. But imagine having the talent of somebody like Sam Bradford and being stuck in St. Louis with the Rams, with a team that's not protecting you or giving you weapons and they're actively trying to lose. And you know that had you gone somewhere else, your life and everything you've worked for could have played out differently. I wonder if he and Steven Jackson get together and they have a feeling circle. Are there former St. Louis Rams out there that are getting together on Fridays and they're sharing? Should we get them on the line? I want to hear from them. They're the ones that need to do an emotional unload on us. I've got a couple of other fun ones for you. So (laughs) interesting. 2002. 2002 draft. So we've talked about Robert Thomas, not the good Robert Thomas, the bad Robert Thomas Yeah. in that draft. In the third round of that draft, they took former Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Eric Crouch, mm-hmm. who had never played wide receiver in his life, <laughs> and moved him to wide receiver. But they weren't done, Michelle. With their sixth round t- pick, they took Ohio State quarterback Steve Belisari, who had never s- played safety a day in his life. Cool, cool, cool. And moved cool. him to safety. Great plan, guys. So you took a couple of quarterbacks who never played in the NFL, and I mean, never played a down in the NFL. You used the 84th pick in the draft, I'm sorry, 95th pick in the draft on Eric Crouch. And I remember after Eric Crouch retired in his rookie mini camp, uh, rookie training camp, retired. He was a third-round pick, got a lot of money. Retired in his rookie training camp because he was watching Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce and said, man, I can't do what they do. And so I go up to Grant Wistrom in the locker room and said, mm-hmm. what do you think of that? And he said, well, if they would have asked me, I could have told him he had no heart. I knew this was going to happen. They didn't even ask him. Didn't even ask him. They did not even consult with somebody that was in-house. A Nebraska guy. Unreal. Yeah. But totally believable. No heart, yeah. You know, Randy, I never do this. I am never the person that plays armchair GM and says, I could do a better job than John Mosella. We definitely could have done a better oh, job in the Rams drafts. There is no there doubt is, about it. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind. Because guess what? We could have, you think you and I could have gone into a war room and said, we're just going to pick this guy this is, and we're going to draft him into a position, play him in a position he's not even used to playing? Here's we could have done that. Michelle, we could have, with 24 hours of prep time and a laptop, gone in and done a better job. We, we could have. My favorite thing about Blues draft or Rams draft history is it's like Blues history from the 80s and 90s. You can read it on Wikipedia and and you'll be terrified. You'll come away with a with a screaming face, and then you can hear somebody who was there, and somehow it gets worse every story mm-hmm. yeah, you hear. Amazing. Every single time you tell me these stories about the Rams, I remember being mad about these picks, and now here I am, 12, 15 years later, and I'm even more angry <laughs> than I've ever been. Let's uh, hear from John with a mic drop. Oh, the history of the NFL draft in St. Louis going all the way back to when I was a boy in the 70s has brought nothing but joy and excitement. (laughs) Man, when we drafted Steve Pazarkowitz, when we drafted kickers in the first round and the second round on different drafts, oh my gosh. 
We did that. This, this is a short mic drop. I just want to get to this. Oh my God, they drafted a girl. <laughs> Kelly Stoffer, 1987. Kelly Stoffer. One of my favorite stories from Kevin, any draft ever. Kev, Kevin Horrigan, yeah, they took Kelly Stoffer. It was the last Cardinal year here. And it was, oh my God, they, <laughs> they drafted, drafted a girl. girl. I think my favorite text we've gotten all day is this one from the 314 that's in all caps and it just says, Brian Quick, WTF. <laughs> Legitimate question. Donnie Avery still bothers me more. How many times on draft day did we as a collective St. Louis community say WTF? Oh, we did that a lot. Didn't a lot. We? Yep. A lot. By the way, one other fun fact from St. Louis Rams history. 2014, they took serial entrepreneur Greg Robinson. <laughs> Second pick in the draft, offensive tackle. He's Auburn. not a businessman. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. With the 246th pick in that draft, the Bears took Charles Leno Jr who had a distinguished career at left tackle for the Bears and now has moved on to the Washington Commanders, had a good year at left tackle for them as well last year, played 17 games. So with the second pick in the draft, the Rams took a guy that in the league wound up playing, uh, I think, he, how many games did he play? Uh, well, he, he, played, he, he started 70 games. Charles Leno, the 246th pick in that draft, who, oh, by the way, is still playing, has started a few more than 70. He has started 94 and played at a pretty high level. Hmm. So, yeah, not great. That was a troubling one, too. I think that was the one where... It wasn't like there was a Hall of Fame pedigree, like got offensive no. tackle a few picks later or anything. Yeah. I, I think that that was the one where Les Need said, yeah, the third day really doesn't matter. We're just going to go in and have some fun. Have we gotten to the point where we can laugh about it? It's so terrible and so ridiculous that we're laughing about it. I mean, this music is helping, or else I think my blood pressure would be through the roof revisiting all of this inept ineptitude. It was ineptitude and then desire. One of the brilliant things they did, part of the method to their madness, was to draft guys like Greg Robinson that couldn't play spend a lot of money on them because they were the second pick in the draft, yeah. and then say, well, we spent a lot of money, but fans didn't come anyway. You know what my favorite thing was, is when it was Les Needed Jeff Fisher, they're tight end at Auburn, okay? They're tight oh, end. They mm, know these guys. Yeah. They know it, that it's going to be a slam dunk pick because they're tight end at Auburn. Really? Trey Mason. You're tight end at Auburn, and that's the pick you make? That, that's even worse, that you're telling me you're tight end <laughs> and that you know the personnel at Auburn better than any school mm-hmm. and the college football landscape. And you were 0 for 2. Wasn't it 2? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, you know what? Or maybe because they were trying to lose, they did have the right intel. (laughs) And they were like, this guy's never going to pan out. Draft him. Little known fact that between 2012 and 2014, Les Snead in his closet had a t-shirt that said, F them picks. Mm -hmm. He just did it in a different way. Yeah. (laughs) It has been his ethos all along. Coming up, Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by the Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org.
Michelle, Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joe Vitale is in his old stomping grounds down in the Valley of the Sun where the Blues will take on the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow. Joey V, how you doing? Randy, doing doing well. Got in late this morning, and uh, but up and at him to do my favorite hit of the week with you two. Okay, first thing I got to ask then is, did you have a place, was there a spot when Joe Vitale was a member of the Coyotes where you hung out or where you had dinner? Like if somebody from St. Louis is going to Phoenix, Scottsdale, you tell them, you got to go here. You know what? I think there's one spot I would recommend and I'm actually going to go there today to meet up with a couple friends. It's called Kierlin Commons. It's in Scottsdale. I'm not sure if you guys have been there or not. Yep. But it's it's yeah. It's like the it's like a shopping little strip, um, high end shopping, good coffee shop. Press Coffee is one of my favorite coffee shops there in, in Scottsdale, and they have a place called True Food, and it's the lunch spot there, right in the kind of center of the Commons there, and and it's kind of organic, just kind of fruity tooty. Uh, lunch joint I used to love to go to, or you always left feeling good about what you, what you, how you treated your body that day. And I would always go there. And again, it's just, it's just fun people watching. You know, people in Scottsdale. That's one thing I learned quickly when I went out here. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in Sunset Hills in St. Louis, where everyone's kind of blue collar and wears their Levi's. But you come to Scottsdale, everyone's a model. Like everyone's walking <laughs> around and, and they're and they're dressed to the nines. And and you got to always make sure you're. You're dressed to impress even when you're going down the street for the grocery store, but certainly fun energy in this city. Okay, so it's 80 degrees all the time in Phoenix, in in Scottsdale. Joey, you and Michelle are both coffee connoisseurs. Is coffee consumption different when it's 80 degrees every day as opposed to when you have a lot of 20, 30, 40, 50 degree days like here in St. Louis? Yeah, I think it's, you know, Michelle probably could attest this too. I think it just depends on on the weather and, and how you decide to get your caffeine intake. You know, for me in the 80 degree weather, it's mostly iced coffees, which is um, definitely an amazing thing. And, and the, the cold brew has certainly uh, been a great thing uh, in the last probably 10 years or five years rather. But uh, yeah, a lot of cold brew, a lot of iced coffees here in Scottsdale. Cause you're right. It, it, it is just sunny all the time. And that, and that's what was kind of hard here playing here was, you know, we, we were, we were bad a couple of years and the, and the coyotes have been atrocious for a long time now. And I'm sure Clayton Keller could, could understand what I'm about to say here. But you you leave the rink. You're in a six-game, seven-game losing streak. You're already out of the playoffs. Game. What, what, whatever the situation was in Arizona, you leave the rink and you step outside and you feel like you're in paradise. So you just kind of like very quickly you turn the page and you stop forgetting about your worries with the hockey rink. You know, it was very different for me when I was in Pittsburgh where if you lost two games in a row, you step outside and – and it's like dreary and cloudy and rainy and cold, and you pull out of the rink and you have fans they're booing you and telling you to pick it up. I mean, it's just you realize that you gotta you gotta win, you gotta succeed in order to be in to survive in the city. But but Scottsdale is very different. That's that's why I really admire what the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Florida Panthers have been doing because with how good the weather and lifestyle it is there. They seem to turn the page pretty quickly. Well, somebody who did turn the page is Jordan Bennington, Joe. He gets the win again last night, his fourth in a row, 20 saves. Randy and I were talking about this a little earlier. It's not that we don't have confidence in Billy Huso, but he's not battle-tested in the postseason. With the recent stretch that you've seen from Jordan Bennington, has the thought creeped in your mind that maybe you would consider putting him in net for Game 1 of the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I knew this about four starts ago when he started there in Buffalo, that he had this opportunity. He knew the opportunity, right? He got the new pads. He was feeling good about some things. And he knew there was a stretch of hockey here. It was a lot of back-to-backs. It was a compressed schedule heading down the stretch. So he knew he was going to get games. That that was certain. Now, the biggest thing was how was he going to perform? And I think over the last four starts, 
you know, he's been terrific. I looked at the game last night. You know, you allow that first one right between the legs on the first shot of the, goal, of the game. You're like, oh, boy, this is maybe why, why Billy's our guy. But then you look the way Jordan battled back. You know, he, he accumulated 20 saves in that game. And, and 20 saves is okay, but it, it's really the quality of the ones late in that third period as the Blues only had the one goal lead. A couple of two-on-one breaks. Uh, some on-man rushes his way. A couple backdoor tap-in saves he made. The glove save he made. There on Benino with about four or five minutes to go in the game with the one goal game was was what Jordan Bennington does really well. He makes those timely saves when you need them, and he's been doing it over the last four or five games um, terrifically. So this is going to be the, the decision now for Craig Berube. I think that the decision has not been made. Uh, I think it was much clearer a week and a half, two weeks ago. But now you got Billy Huso, who I would imagine would start tomorrow against the Coyotes. That would put Bennington back in first the Ducks on Sunday, and then ultimately I think they're going to try to see what Billy can do first Colorado. Um, at the end of this road trip. I think they just kind of want to see what's there. They, they know what's there from Bennington. They've seen it over the last few seasons. It hasn't gone all that well. And they want to see if Billy can maybe uh, present something to Colorado that, that Jordan hasn't. And so that's why I think that Billy's going to get that Colorado start. And I think ultimately, whatever decision he makes, that goalie will play against the Vegas Golden Knights in the final regular season game. Um, you can go either way. I think Billy has been playing more consistent, has been playing better all season long. But then you got to look at how Bennington's playing as of late. I mean, what have you done for me lately? And Jordan certainly has been there uh, from a high-quality level, as well as Billy has. And, and I think these are one of the, the toughest decisions that a hockey coach has to make. A hockey coach doesn't have to make too many decisions. It's, it's really kind of straightforward. You have the players there. Maybe you tweak the lineups here and there. But the goaltending decision, that, that to me is always one of the biggest ones. And I think it's probably going to be something that Craig Berube um, – just goes with his gut on, and and that's really important too. Because you know, when we go with our gut on anything, uh, that's kind of our immediate understanding. That's like our body's physical way of telling us what what should happen. And it's only when thought kind of invades and confuses. So uh, I know Craig Bruby; he's a simple man. I think he'll go with his gut. It's not a, not a bad way to go. It's a it's a good way to go. Hey, uh, Joey, my gut tells me that Joe uh, or that Robert Thomas is going. I was going to say Joe Vitale is going to become a hundred point scorer in the NHL. I think we passed that pro- uh, opportunity. Nice. <laughs> Would have been nice, but I think Robert Thomas is going to be a guy that we probably go into season saying, okay, we can write him down for a hundred points. We can write him down for twenty five and seventy five. You know, it's it's going to be something. I think I think one day in his career he, he could hit that plateau. To me, I've always found him to be, you know, that his potential or the, the ceiling for him to me was always that that kind of twenty fifty, which he's at right now. I mean, um, I think he could hit eighty this year, which would be incredible. I think it would be a career year for him. Uh, but I think this is something that eighty can turn into eighty one one year, and then maybe even the nineties one day hundred possibly. I think it just really depends on on the people around him. And right now he just has. Uh, the best wingers right now around him and Pavel Buchnevich and Tarasenko that are putting pucks in. But, you know, you look at his whole game, and this is something that he did very well over the summer, is became more of a shot-first person, uh, something that Keith Kachuk worked with him quite a bit about, the mindset of, you know, you have to be a shot threat first. If you're a shot threat, then other passes will open up. I think he's really he's really struck that balance, you know. But, but, I, but I say that his success this year has really kind of fallen through uh, the people around him, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko is at his very best. You know, he's physically as healthy as he's been in a long time, and he's clicking on all cylinders. That helps when you have that kind of guy on your wing. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich is, like Craig Booby said, probably one of their best 200-foot players on the team right next to Ryan O'Reilly. So he's got that on the other side as well. So I think that, you know, it's, it's the compliments, it's the relationships, it's everyone that's really, really been around him. And my favorite uh, moment of the game last night, was right after he scored that power play goal in the second period to put the Blues up two to one. It wasn't necessarily the goal or the streak continued, but it, it was the it was the reactions and it was um, 
everyone on the team coming up to him and giving him an extra hug or an extra fist pump. It was players on the bench who were two or three bodies down that came all the way down to give him a knee tap. It was every coach coming up behind him and give him a little pat on the back or, or, or a fist. I mean, that to me is one of the underlying reasons why I think Robert Thomas is continued to propel himself forward. I think it really just battles, you know, or not battles, but it all really comes down to uh, his relationships and, and how connected he is with not only his line mates, but his team. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, Michel Monte, he's one of my favorite philosophers, French philosophers of all mm-hmm. time. I know we talk a lot about philosophers here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's something I was thinking about last night when I was seeing Robert Thomas out there with all his buddies and, and feeling good. And, you know, he, he you know, Michelle would talk about how uh, love, love is a fusion, right? So I, and I tell this to my, my kids I coach hockey with all the time. I say the best teams, the best teams that win championships are, are in fact the best teams, right? You know, it's, it's one of those things where hockey is a specific sport and it's very different than a lot of other sports because you look at, you look at baseball, you can have Adam, Adam Wainwright on the mound and he's just wheeling and dealing. We've seen that before, um, but it's an individual that's kind of taking over the game. You look at basketball, LeBron James, there's no reason for LeBron James ever to come out of the game. He's the star player, he's the number one player, and he never has to come out. He can take over that game. So you can go through all these different sports, bowling, golf, whatever, right? There's so many individual people that can take over a game. Hockey is one of those weird sports where um, – you have players that are superior. You have players that are some of the best in the world with Connor McDavid and, and, and Sidney Crosby and right now Robert Thomas. But but the reality is they're only playing between a third and a half of the game if they're lucky. I mean, quite frankly, it's probably a third if you're a forward, um, sometimes a fourth if you're a forward, and you're lucky if you play a third as a defenseman. So you're only playing like a small chunk of this game. Now, what does that mean? It means that it means you need everybody. You need everybody, and it's that it's that humbling feeling on the bench where you may be something, and your line mates may be something great, but you're only as good as the line next to you. And that's and that's what's impressive about like Robert and this team, and why I think this Blues team is just going to make another run at it. Uh, but getting back to it, sorry, I got a little sidetracked here, but you know the philosopher Michelle Monte would say, they love love is a fusion, right? So I tell my young kids, if if you want to be great in this sport you got to come together as a team. So I, I always put my hands out in front of me, and I, I spread out my fingers, and I say, when, you know, when, when two people meet, you know, you're, you're obviously you're curious about each other, um, but then there has to be a level of commitment, and then you can fall in love, right? People think that, oh, you, you meet, you fall in love, and then you decide to commit to something. That's not, that's not true. Michelle says it is, um, you meet something, or you, you, you encounter something, and you're curious about it. You know, think, think of you and your spouse or your boyfriend or your wife. You met them. You didn't love them right away. You were, you were curious about them, and then you decided, okay, I kind of like this person. Uh, how much commitment do I want to put towards them? And then you decide that level of commitment, and then based off of that commitment, then you either, A, fall in love, or B, you fall apart. So that's what, what's happening now, I think, with, with Robert Thomas. And, and when, when young kids see this, and you see it with Robert and his line mates and his team right now, and this Blues team's at its best right now because of it, it's that fusion of you take both your hands in front of you and you spread out your fingers and you bring them closer and closer and closer and closer. And eventually they're going to meet and then your fingers are going to intertwine and they're going to get kind of confused in all this big ball of, of love. And then, and that's where the fusion begins. And, and this is important because once your, your hands are connected and they're fused together, um, you don't, you almost don't know which hand is which anymore. And that's, and that's what um, a good relationship and a good teammate is. And that's what a good, good, a good team in general is where the reality is, when the right hand gives to the left, or the left hand gives to the right, follow me here. Hopefully, you guys had your coffee this morning. Yeah, yeah we, we're, we're, we're all right doing it with our hands. It. We're yeah, doing it with our hands. Yeah. So, you know, so when the right hand gives to the left, or the left hand gives to the right, okay. um, 
you, you actually, you don't even know where the giving and, and the receiving is coming from anymore. And that's mm-hmm. why it feels so good. It feels so good when you give, like people always say it's in giving when you receive. Well, this is why, because you're actually giving to a part of yourself. You know, you look at last night's game, like Robert Thomas scores that goal, but his line mates were more happy for him than probably he was happy. Like Pavel Buchnevis and Tarasenko's smile was greater and they were more happy for Robert. Why is that? Because they were actually giving to a part of themselves because that's what good teams have. They have that fusion where the relationship is so strong and so tight that they're happier when other people succeed. Joe, that was amazing. And Sorry, I'm, I got, I'm, I got a little oh, awesome. I got about four hours of sleep. No, that was beautiful and poignant. And you're right. This Blues team is very fused together. They love mm-hmm. each other. You're right. We can see it on the ice. We can see it when they're sitting on the bench. It's a great It's a great example. Um, so home ice advantage still up for grabs, but we know that the Wild are locked in as the Blues' first opponent in the playoffs here. The Blues have had their number this this season, but what do you expect out of the Wild in that opening series? You know, I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be physical. I think it's going to be emotional. I don't know if you guys have seen it on social media, but but they're starting to circulate these Hartman's, these Ryan Hartman shirts with him giving the bird. Yes. Uh, <laughs> up and they're saying it's on the bottom. It says Minnesota Nice. Well, obviously, obviously, after he flipped off of Vander Kane, and uh, we all saw what the craziness of Vander Kane's wife donating. I mean, that was all circus in itself. But now the Wild fans are, are certainly doing their part. And they're all printing out these shirts with Hartman flipping the bird and saying Minnesota nice. So it's going to be a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of emotion. I think it's going to be a physical battle. I think if the Blues can contain uh, some of their top scores like Kirill, um, Hartman's playing, Fiala's playing great hockey. Uh, they are having some new bodies come back, which the Blues haven't seen. I know the record is certainly showing the St. Louis should have an edge. But with Marc-Andre Fleury maybe getting a start, you know the Blues numbers aren't as good as on his Art Talbot's. Dumba could possibly be coming back. Greenway's another one. But I think at the end of the day, you look at all the, the matchups and the goal scores and the physicality and the emotions tied into it. I just think that the wild card to me is always going to be experience, experience, experience. You know, in playoffs, experience just means so much. You have so many Stanley Cup champions on the St. Louis Blues team that have made that run recently back in 2019. You got Brandon Saad, who's a multi-cup champion. You know, you, you, have, you have players that they have clearly Nick Letty's another one, obviously. You have players that have gone the distance, and that means something, right? Because in playoffs, you have to manage what? You have to manage those ups and downs. You have uplows, the peaks and the valleys, right? You, you, you're down in the series 2 nothing. A young team think it's, thinks it's over, right? They're already kind of ridden the ship. But a veteran team that's been there before that's won in those situations before has going to be proven to show up the next day and just go back to work. You know, this is the Blues team that went to Dallas on the brink playing in Dallas, and they come up there, they win that game, and, of course, they win game seven. They've been in situations like that. It's just um, it's called the hedonic treadmill, where in life you, you, you have these amazing highs and you think that life can never get better, right? We've all gotten that job. We've met that person. We've gotten married. We've been on vacation in paradise, right? This is life, right? This is as good as it gets. And then within a couple of days, it kind of falls back down. You're like, man, I, I guess it's not as good as I thought. And then the opposite side, you, you lose a friend. You, lo- you lose someone. Your parents get divorced. Something really bad happens in your life. And all of a sudden, after a few days, time goes by, and you're kinda, you kind of level out. So it's the hedonic treadmill of life. You kind of find your way to balance whatever is whatever's happening. And I think this is what the Blues will do so well. You know, I went to Animal Kingdom down in Disney World. I'll never forget it. This is a perfect example of hedonic treadmill. I'm over there at the Animal Kingdom. We're, we're, we're at the resort, and our door, our patio door opens up into like this wild safari with like lions and giraffes and all this stuff. We get there, the kids are all pumped up. We open the, we open the balcony to go outside and there's literally guys, there, there's a giraffe, Michelle, Randy, there's a giraffe like eating from a grape tree. Like I'm like 20 feet away from this thing. I'm like, Whoa, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. My kids come here. Look at the giraffe. The giraffe 
eating a grape leaf. Like, wow, this is amazing. Where are we in Africa? The kids are going bananas. I'm going bananas, right? And then I remember two days later, after having a great trip to Disney World, I opened the balcony. I'm like chewing my cereal. I'm like, oh, honey, the draft's back. You know, you just kind of like, <laughs> right. deal. like, whatever. Like, this is a drafting. But, but that's the point. The point is that, you know, the highs don't remain high forever and the lows don't remain low forever. And I think the teams with the best experience – that can manage that hedonic treadmill, that can understand that even though when you're down, things can get back up. And even though you're up, you got to humble yourself and you got to be patient because things can go back down in a hurry too. So you have to keep the foot on the gas. It's those kind of emotional um, strategies that I think the Blues certainly are going to have that to me is definitely going to be the wild card when you're looking at this matchup down the stretch. Joe, because of your curiosity and your knowledge, we know that you have not just one, but an array of philosophers that you utilize. Would you mind if you become the official philosopher of Carriker and Smallman? Wow, big, Ooh, big, big. Wow, that, this is huge. I don't know. I don't know if Ralph Waldo Emerson would approve of me being in that class, or certainly Aristotle or Plato. Uh, some of my uh, on the uh, Mount Rushmore, my philosophers. But I, I appreciate the. Uh, I appreciate the thought. I would I would love to continue to do my best every Friday morning, but that's the best I can do. I, I don't think I'm anything more than that, though. You're outstanding. And by the way, just to circle back, one philosopher that went with his gut was Buddha. <laughs> hey, hey, it worked out pretty well for him, didn't it? <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> Joey B. That's, what, that's where you get the term Buddha belly from, right? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Have a great weekend. We'll be tuned in tomorrow night. Enjoy your day in the Valley of the Sun. All right, Michelle, Randy, you guys have a great weekend. You're the best. See you later. That is Joey V on 101 ESPN. The hedonic treadmill is a metaphor for the human tendency to pursue one pleasure after another. That's because the surge of happiness that's felt after a positive event is likely to return to a steady personal baseline over time. So you totally get the giraffe story, right? It's a perfect example of what the hedonic treadmill is. And I wonder if you have that when you're playing in Arizona, as Joe was saying, you mm-hmm. leave the rink, it's sunny every day, you're chasing that high every day. Ask people that live in Denver. Yeah. Do you, when you walk out the door, do you always look up at the mountains? No, it becomes just part of it. You're just looking down, you're going out to the car. Right. It, it becomes part of the landscape rather than being something really special that should cause you to... Take a deep breath every single day. Like a day yesterday here in St. Louis where we all lose our minds because it's sunny and in the 70s. Yeah. So we need to appreciate that stuff. We need to appreciate life. Joey V on 101 ESPN. You're killing me, Smalls, is next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Okay, we're going to give away some Bud Bash tickets for Tuesday night, 101 ESPN, with your chance all this week to win a four-pack of tickets to Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash honoring Keith Hernandez. There will be an exclusive limited edition bobblehead giveaway of Keith. You can get all the details for this season's series of Budweiser Bash cards games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. And Michelle, it'll be texter number 46 in honor of Joe Vitale's mm-hmm. number with the Penguins that will get this Four pack of tickets. And uh, today's question is. So we learn something new every week from Joe Vitale. He's one of the smartest people we know. He Mm -hmm. always drops great nuggets of info on us. Today he was talking about one of his favorite philosophers and he used a saying from that philosopher to describe what we're seeing, the camaraderie and the chemistry from the St. Louis Blues. So today to win those tickets 
the the word that pays. It's not going to be a phrase that pays. Well, kind of is. The word that pays, you need to fill in the blank. Joey V told us that love is a what? Text that word. Fill in the blank to 65780. Texture number 46. Love is a what did Joey Vitale say? By the way, he was talking about philosophers, and I'm not a philosophy reader. I'm not very philosophically inclined, hmm. but I think this is Amazing. a great quote from Buddha. Okay, let's hear it. Lay it on me. He says, the biggest mistake is you think you have time. Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once it's lost, you can never get it back. Mind blown. Words to take to heart from the big fella, Buddha. Shout out to Buddha. But isn't that true, though? Time is our most valuable resource, which is why if you're in a bad situation or you're unhappy, get out of it. Don't waste time. It's like land. You're not getting any more. Unless you're staying cranky. That's true. Well, I guess they're not making any more land. No, that's true. Good you point. could certainly buy more. You can't buy more time. But they're not making any more time. They are not. In your no. lifetime, at least. You don't want to waste it because you can never get it back. All right, here we go. Wow. Well, what, let's break down the philosophy on this one, Randy. Miguel Cabrera, he's one hit away from 3,000 hits. He's at a packed stadium in Detroit. A lot of people play, paid a pretty penny because they think they're going to see Miggy's 3,000th hit. They're playing the Yankees. And what do the Yankees do, Randy? What does Aaron Boone do in the eighth inning when Miguel Cabrera comes up to bat again looking for that 3,000th hit? He intentionally walks him. He intentionally walks him. Now, the crowd, of course, went bananas. They were none too happy that Aaron Boone decided to pull this move. But take me through your philosophy on this one. Would you have pulled an Aaron Boone? I understand that, as Bob Costas said, we're missing out on a lot of moments. We're missing out on a Clayton Kershaw perfect game. We're missing out on the ability to see... Miguel Cabrera get his 3,000th career hit against a team that we thought would be the perfect one for him to get it against, the New York Yankees. But at the end of the day, Michelle, as one of Boone's fellow New York coaches said, you play to win the game. What happens if Cabrera hits a three-run homer? Then what happens to Aaron Boone? And he's got a, he's got a lefty in the game, a left-handed hitter coming up. Yes, but don't you put in the best matchup to go at him if that's what you're concerned about? Not walk the guy when there's history on the line. Come on, I thought the Yankees were supposed to be a class organization, not walk the guy. Well, you'd hate to walk the guy, but at the same time, you'd hate to lose the game, too. You don't want to walk the guy, but you've, you've got to play to win the game. My expectation would be if Albert Pujols is sitting on 699 home runs, and, well, we're going to have a right-handed hitter. But if it was a lefty hitter behind Albert Pujols and you had a first base open, my full expectation would be whatever team it is that they would walk him. Well, I think that's a ridiculous and Bush League move. I got mad at teams for walking McGuire in 1998. I, I thought the same thing. I said, come on, this is history. We're supposed to be, this is supposed to be about us. It's not about you winning games, but it actually it is about them winning games. I guess, but it's also about history. It's also about entertainment and hashtag let Miggy hit. There you go. Let Miggy hit. That's let good. him hit. I'm good Don't with walk that. him. Let people grow their hair out. 
Just my complaints overall for the Yankees That's organization right. today. Facial hair is a plus. Let people live their life. It's it's personality. It's good. Let history happen. You're the Yankees. Some dudes don't look good with a bare face. You know, they're trying to hide something. Look what they did to Johnny Damon. Come on. It was a crime. Yeah, they did kind of ruin Johnny Damon. That's true. Randy, remember Earl Thomas, seven-time Pro Bowl safety? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. he mm-hmm. liked his guns. <laughs> I knew that as soon as I mentioned his name, you would bring up that story. I didn't know how to intro it, but I just thought I'd put it on a T for you. There you go. So he wants to resume. By the way, this is a spectacular, one of the all-time great stories. It really is. Do you want to tell it? Didn't his wife walk in on he and his mistress or something? Yeah, it was uh, quite the drama. Yeah. Yeah. Guns involved, as you mentioned. Somewhat entertaining. I can get the full story here in a second. But anyway, he's been out of the NFL for the past two seasons, and he wants back in. He texted Adam Schefter and said, I'm ready. I'm in shape. My timing is on point. I'm proud of that. Now, he turns 33 in May. He hasn't been playing, as I mentioned, in two years since being released by the Ravens in 2020. And that's, by the way, after he punched his teammate, Chuck Clark. Remember that during Mm -hmm. training camp? That's not one that's going to endear the NFL to you. If you can't stick with John Harbaugh and the Ravens after Ray Lewis allegedly killed a guy, I'm saying that you probably aren't going to be able to make it anywhere. Maybe you could be a Ram. Allegedly, right? I said allegedly. I know, I know. I'm just emphasizing it. Let's emphasize that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to the white suit? We don't know. Oh, no. Allegedly, there was a white suit, right? Yeah. Okay, so... I'm trying to find the exact story here. Earl Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Wife, because Mr. now Stone. I'm all finding. Here we go. I was like, oh, we have to say allegedly when we just talk about the white suit. There are pictures of him from the night with him in the white suit. There was, in fact, so. a white suit. Yeah. Okay, yes. So here's the full story. This is great. So his wife, Nina, had filed for a divorce. She cited adultery. TMZ reported the story. Police said that she, Nina, held Earl Thomas at gunpoint after finding him in bed with two women and his brother, Seth. We forgot the brother was there, too. (laughs) Two women and his brother. Yeah, so she tracked him down to a rental house in Austin, Texas. and um, The family that plays together stays together. I, I guess. Yikes. She said that she did point the pistol at Earl Thomas at his head, but just with the intent to scare him, not to actually hurt him. But she was arrested on a felony charge of burglary and with the intent to commit aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> Nina, come on. Well, you, you know what? He deserved it. Earl deserved That's it. That's unfair. She literally told you her intent was not to use the weapon. Come on. Yeah, she was definitely thinking goodbye, Earl. Come on. She finds him in bed with not one woman, but two and his two. brother. Well, they were probably sharing. It's a, it's a crowded bed. That's all I'm saying. Better be a king size. (laughs) California king. (laughs) That's not a pillow. Aggressive. (laughs) I think that's it for us. I think that's where we end the show this week. We're done. Earl Thomas, good Uh, luck with your return to the NFL. uh, Did we get a winner yet, Matthew? (laughs) I think we do. I think I saw it. Okay, good. We got a winner. Ron, congratulations. Ron, You're headed out yeah. to the Budweiser Bash. We do have a balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax. Uh, I will not be here on Monday, so Alexa Dat will be sitting in for me. So it'll be Michelle and Alexa. That'll be a fun show. Yeah, looking forward to having Alexa in studio. It's going to be a great Monday. We'll miss you, Randy, though, of course. I will be back on Tuesday, and hopefully we'll get some golf in.
during the weekend. You better. It's going to be very nice. Looking forward to it. Great job by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio, who's off to Chicago for the weekend. Have fun. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Pleasure. And Michelle, thank you. Um, Can I end on this note? Yes. The 636 texted in about Earl Thomas. Legion of boom indeed. (laughs) Uh, The (laughs) B-L-I-S. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till... Monday morning at 7. Have a great day and a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.